Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at the butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here for a second. And now, a word from Southside Jet. Oh, yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lewis, and this is another edition of the Paddler's Playbook coming to you live from the Mariner Sales Studio. Look, guys, y'all going to have to excuse Drew tonight for this episode because the entire time you're going to be listening to his dog munch on his bone. Man, I don't think you can hear it. I don't think you can hear it. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll have to listen back. You need to adjust the settings on your microphone or something because you can hear everything. I'm pretty sure I heard one of the kids fart earlier. That was the dog. Dude, this dog, I'm telling you, when he farts, it is like a grown man after chili fart. It is horrible. With your family. Golly, dude, he almost ran me out of the, the studio here. Like, for real. I almost got up and left because it, it, is, it is really bad. He, he stinks. Well, I wish I could tell these folks that our intro is going to be long and filled with tons of information about what Drew and Chris have been up to lately and what's been going on in our world. But our guest pretty much stole the spotlight tonight, and in a good way. And... Uh, we ended up talking what we thought was going to be like a quick one hour um, talk ended up being like two hours and 15 minutes of straight talk. So, um, man, I'm all for making this intro short and sweet and to the point <laughs> so I can go eat my dinner. Do you want to go eat or do you want to save the, the tournament talk stuff for next episode? You know, it probably would be best for us to save that for the next episode because this episode really kind of revolves around things that um, aren't necessarily tournament related. And they're that's more, very true. They're more passion related, you know, related to the passion of just fishing and, and kayaking and being outdoors in general. That's true. So we won't talk about that. But I want to I want to talk about the buzz that's been going on. And we talked about it was on Facebook Guys, go check out the Paddler's Playbook Facebook page. If you don't, go follow me and Chris on our personal pages, and we're about to be on TikTok as well. Um, but go go check that out. Oh, go go check out the Patreon, too. Become the king of the bro staff like our man Kevin um, supporting us there. Maybe we won't hear the dog chomping on his bone um, if we get a couple more uh, Patreons there and we can buy some new microphones or something like that. But we're, <laughs> I want to upgrade my gear, man. But geez, the house, everything going on, like, I, 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 I need some, I need some help. Santa Claus ain't bringing me nothing but the mortgage, homie. The mortgage, and we got to, we got to get some work done on the backyard. I need to get out there and, 
get some grass growing. We got we got the dog now. He needs some grass. Not we got a bunch of trees, man. Like I know I shouldn't be complaining about trees, but there is a ton of trees so much that it's choking out the grass that's back there. So I got to trim up and cut down some trees. Boy, you you do it now. That's your spot, so you have to get it done. It is my house now, so I, I own it, and now now I got to take care of it. I don't want to talk about tournaments too too much, but I do want to talk about guys. If you're in the Houston area, um, Saltwater Survival Series coming up. They have their Heroes on the Water Benefit Tournament. Yep, November fourteenth. Me and my brother, the Turner Rodco team, we're already signed up for it. We are ready to go. We will be out there. If you want to come say hi to me and Chris. Chris, are you fishing it for sure? I plan on fishing it, yeah. Yeah, we'll be we'll be out there. So if you have not signed up for the Saltwater Survival Series team redfish tournament. This is the only team tournament they do all year. And it benefits uh Heroes on the Water, the Galveston chapter. So get out there and do that. But Chris, you know, Last episode, we had Saltside Just do a commercial, and we're going to make it two weeks in a row, dude. We're going to have Saltside Just doing another commercial. We'll see if Saltside CJ shows up on this one, too. Um, Had a a good reception, a couple messages about Saltside CJ coming in and doing the commercials, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hey, bro staff, the season of giving is upon us, and we have all the gifts you'll want to receive. Introducing Finor Sunglasses. These sunglasses are expertly engineered to withstand the elements saltwater anglers face, and they're designed for all-day comfort. All Finor sunglasses feature their breakthrough lateral line lens technology that enhances your vision through distortion-free color, unmatched sharpness, and precision optics. So give someone the gift of worrying less about their eyewear and more time focused on the fish. And while you're sitting around the table giving thanks this year, you can thank Real Sportswear for comfortable yet sophisticated clothing. No sweater vest for you this year, only cool, moisture-wicking polyester that's lightweight and odor-resistant. So Uncle Bob can be itchy in his cashmere alone, because let's be real, no one likes him in that sweater vest anyway. So log on to realsportswear.com and upgrade your holiday wear today. With the holidays kicking off and your food gut kicking out, Mariner Sales wants to help you combine something cool, fishing, with something less cool, fitness. It's Feel Free's first ever crossover paddle-powered kayak, featuring the rapid drive pedal system. With its unique performance-based hull, oversized beaver tail rudder, and rapid steering system, this pedal kayak will not only get you where you want to go quickly, but with the accurate responsive control, which is more than we can say about most of your family on the holidays. Not only that, the flash will get you up and moving from that turkey coma. So log on to Mariner Sales today and treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. This is Saltside Jess, and I'll see you around the gravy bowl. All right, here comes my famed intro. Thanks a lot, Jess, for setting us up there. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got one heck of an episode ready to hit the airwaves right between your ears. Look, we don't usually record with um, freshwater guys. And when we do, things get real heated. You know, they always think theirs is bigger than ours, stuff like that. But uh, this time, Drew, 
We're gonna go take it back to the fresh world real quick, man. What you think about that? I I just hope that we get to have a little bit of chatting in because the freshwater guys like to talk. So I, th- there was there was definitely one. I'm not gonna name any names, but I I think we asked five questions through a two hour interview. But I'm not gonna name any names. I, I already know. I mean, it took it took like five people to run through my brain, and then it like the wheel stopped spinning immediately. I know exactly who you're talking about. It's the only one that I don't care for now, but it's all right. It's all right. We, we really care for all of them, but uh, this guy. No, here, I don't care for this one anymore. But go ahead, <laughs> keep, keep going. Drew can be honest, you know. Um, so this guy, anyway, we we. The people in the kayaking industry, in the kayaking world, have been following his story for numerous years now. Um, from what I understand, in 2016, he completely packed up his corporate life and just threw it all out the window and, and packed up his kayak and said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And his hustle has been uh, phenomenal. And people have seen it. Uh, people talk about it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the one, the only Basquatch hunter, Mr. Mike McKinstry here. Oh, look, he's even got his own. Cue the sound effects. applause, ready to go. What's going on, Mike? Oh, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on here, man. Well, what's going on here is it's still like 75, 78 degrees. It was 37 today, so. God, well, it was 37 in the morning here. We had frost on our windshields and everything, but it's like, I think, 57 or 60 or during the day today, so it was all right. I woke up this morning. I put on a, a hoodie and my flip-flops when I took the dogs out, and, and my wife was like, uh, hoodie and flip-flops, huh? Yep, that's, that sounds like a Michigan day. Like It's it's 30 to 40-degree difference right now this time of year from morning to afternoon, so it's, it's fun. Now, when that's, you say Michigan day, you mean like a Michigan summer day? No, a Michigan day, like fall and spring are both like a mix between winter and summer. So like it's spring, it's always like, you know, 50-50, like one in the morning it's freezing and in the afternoon it's warm and then it's fall is the same thing. What what is fall and what is fall and spring? Like it's 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 hot here and then it's raining and cold. Those are the two seasons. They 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 happen around fall and spring, but that's that's about it. Cold and rainy or like ball sweating hot that that's it it's the two seasons we have yeah it's like a two-week window of spring or of fall yeah i mean i got uh, i was able to barbecue it's been really nice um cooking some stuff on the grill but that's only going to last for like two or three weeks and then it's going to be horrible weather again so i'm in, i'm enjoying it with here we end up with like a windy season that's kind of like what we're in right now is a windy season we get a lot of crazy winds they swirl they they move from the south and back to the north, and then from the north back to the south. Um, that's kind of what we're in right now. It's still warm. Uh, we got to like 56 or 57 one night, um, and then next thing you know, it's right back into the 80s. But um, this, I guess, isn't necessarily the time of the year where you're really itching to get out on your kayak every day. And- oh, no, I am actually. Like, that's the funny part is uh, this is the time of year where all the all the big girls start biting, you know, so it's in the, in Michigan, our fish don't really um, do much in the wintertime. You know, we have, we have freeze overs and we ice fish and everything. So the fish are stocking up right now. So they're pretty aggressive and hungry knowing the ice is coming soon. So it's actually a really good time to do a fish and, you know, I have a dry suit, so I do it safely, but we go out and fish for walleye right now for muskie and pike um, for trout. 
um, smallmouth bass, like all the cold water fish are, are just really active right now. We have a small window of it before the ice comes in, but it's usually a pretty good time. Sure, you do? a question for me. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Look, hey, I, I interrupt people all the time, especially Drew. It's like the thing. I, I, can't, I can't do this without interrupting him. Drew, <laughs> why are mm -hmm. they always called big girls? Why aren't they called big boys? Because the females are larger than the men. Well, yeah. I, asked, I asked Drew. I asked Drew. Because they lay eggs. I mean, it's, I mean, in I some. No, uh, so no it, offense to any of the females listening out there. In some states, it's the same way. I mean, you can go to like Alabama and the girls are bigger than the males there too. That's what happens sometimes. But Mike, I was going to ask you, um, do you know that there's places you can live where there's no ice and you can fish year round and you don't have to have like safety suits like that just bugs me that you're like well you know i do it safely i wear my dry suit like why would y'all live somewhere where you have to wear a special suit to safely fish like i, I don't understand oh, I it i get this question a lot of why with my with what i do for a living why don't i live in like tennessee or texas even and uh it's funny because I don't have a real good answer for that because it's absolutely correct. Like why I should, but I'll tell you what, Michigan has more species besides saltwater, not counting saltwater. We have more like in the Northern part of the country, we have more freshwater species than anywhere else in the country. We also have the ability to do ice fishing, which sounds terrible to everybody down South, but ice fishing is actually really cool. Um, you know, you get to have like your Jesus moment and walk on the water and you get to fish for panfish and pike and bass and everything through a hole in the eye. It's just like a totally different experience. And Jesus every time I want to move on in Michigan, ice. what's that? Jesus did not walk on ice. No, but he walked on water. And walking on ice is similar to walking. I mean, you're technically walking on water, you know. So, <laughs> even if I live down south, I would come up north twice, at least a few times a year. It's just, it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. But in the wintertime, it's either snowboarding. Um, sledding ice skating outside or ice fishing and all those things require snow and ice so you know it, it's it plus i get to travel down south like i get to go to texas and, and tennessee and north carolina louisiana everywhere in the summertime or in the wintertime sorry and enjoy your guys's winter which is like our spring and then come back up here you know so it's kind of fun he's like look man how old are you mike you're in your 30s yeah i'm 30 i'll be 39 in a few months okay. he's like look i'm in my 30s and i'm already a snowbird yeah, I'm about to be. Uh, we're actually looking at property in Tennessee right now. <laughs> I, I just want—I need to get out down south for at least two months out of the year. I need to. And and when did Tennessee become like a <laughs> a warm climate, uh, you know, state? Well, compared to here, obviously, like Kentucky is a so. warm climate yeah. state compared to us. So Tennessee is the closest um, south we can go um, without uh, having snow. So. so Sorry, Drew. No. He can't, he did come down to Texas one time to fish, and uh, for some reason he got sucked into fishing the Corpus uh, Rockport area, I think. And I think day one he was like, "Okay, dude, I'm freaking fried chicken out here." Uh, he he didn't understand that here, your the radiation from the sun hits you 360 degrees. Oh yeah, <laughs> it doesn't it's just come from above. So Texas, I always get I always get a lot of people from Texas t telling me how I need to live in Texas and live in Texas. I've actually been there quite a few times, and I've fished Port Aransas. I first I fished Flower Bluff. I fished uh, uh, Galveston. I've fished uh, freshwater at uh, what's the reservoir? Sheldon Reservoir. I fished that a few times uh, with all the gators that loved me down there. Um, and every time someone's like, "Come to Texas, live here, live here," I was like, "Look, 
the one thing I learned from Texas is everything wants to kill you. Everything. <laughs> the water. Land, there's poisonous animals and cactus and scorpions and stuff we don't have up here. Then everything in the water wants to kill you. Everything in the ocean is like poisonous or wants to kill you. And then if you survive those two things, then you have the climate, which is crazy. Like I was there. I was there one my first time in Texas in Austin. Um, it got down to 55 one day and people were like freaking out. Like everyone's like, Oh, we don't go outside. It's too cold. And I was like, you, you're joking, right? Like, this is like summertime. Like we're fine. Then the next day it was like 104 degrees. And I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like everyone's walking around like it's fine. And I'm like, I'm staying inside in the air conditioning. Like you guys are nuts. But then if you survive all that stuff, then you have the drivers on the highway there. And you know, I'm from Detroit. Like we have the rudest people in the world here on the freeways and stuff. When I go to Texas, People were passing me doing like 120 miles an hour, cutting over four lanes to go over to an exit last minute. And I was like, this is insane. Like people in Texas are crazy. Like you guys are like the toughest people just to survive Texas. Like it's nuts. You hear that? We're tough, Chris. Hey. Tough people. It's a I, tough I, don't know if, I don't know if I've said it on this show before, but if there, if you ever saw there was a television show out there called Revolution where the entire world's electrical and mechanical devices just stopped working one day. And so the, the United States was split up into these factions, right? And it was like North United States of America, um, Northeast United States of America, Northwest United States of America, and then there was Texas. <laughs> that sounds and, right and nobody would go to texas and because guns were like banned everywhere except for texas so sounds one, about right one time yeah, that's... the whole the whole group had to go through texas and they were like shit we're gonna die <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate actually i, I don't know that's a that's a tv show or is that like that it sounded like reality at first. That was last Tuesday. That, that was Tuesday. That's what that's what that was. That was but a Tuesday. <laughs> I got I to correct you, though, man. Not everything is, is trying to kill you. Now, it may kill you, but it's not, like, actively trying to kill you. No, no gator is going to actively try to kill you. But there's a chance you could die, but it's not, it's not going to run you down or anything like that. You just got to keep your distance from them, just like everything else, just like those big girls in alabama too just keep keep your distance stay away you'll be all right you'll be all right but mike man i want to ask you i ask this to all our guests that come on the show you know before we start talking about your show um i have two questions for you one i want to know about your most memorable fishing memory like if somebody asks you tell us about a fishing memory like what which one or two stands out the most and then moment Mike's history. Yeah, and then I want to know what your very first fishing kayak was and how you got into the sport. So the second one's an easy one. The first one is tough. I get actually asked this is probably the most common question I get, and I can never answer it the same. Um, and that should tell you right there how difficult it is because I got asked this question uh, on a live sports show um, like a month ago, and I froze up. And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. Like it's the worst question because it's like. I have so many amazing fishing memories. I'm so lucky with what I do for a living. I've fished with some of the most amazing guests and some great people. Um, I've caught some really cool species from sturgeon in a kayak to um, having gators take bass off my kayak and on Sheldon Reservoir. Um, it, it's hard to say my favorite um, fishing experience ever, but I will say um, one of the best one of the best fishing experiences I've ever had 
uh, was actually with a good buddy of mine uh, named Darius. We went out, uh, I think it was like a year ago. Um, I, in the same lake, I just caught my new PB like a month and a half ago too, um, which you guys are going to laugh at my new PB because in Texas, it's not, it's like a, a throwaway bass, but in Michigan, it's like the biggest bass I'll ever catch in Michigan. Probably it's a 23 inch, like 6.14 pound, like just under seven pounds and 23 inches. It's like unheard of in Michigan. That's by far the biggest bass. That will not even win you big bass in like a local tournament. I, I, man, I caught my first, I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's what we do on the show. So my very, my very first bass tournament that I did, I caught a 23 and it was 23 and three quarter. And it was the first fish of the day. And I'm like, I got big bass. Yes. I'm going to do so. Bam. Bam. I had big bass for about seven minutes before i think like 24 and a half ended up winning big bass it was it was crazy 15th place man he didn't even get into the, like the top 10. see i fished uh -uh. florida texas louisiana um i've never caught a bass bigger than that down south even and that's what always blew my mind like whether i'm on toho in florida or um you know i'm in texas i i'm just not fishing the right spots and, and I've never got a double digit bass yet. And everyone in Texas is always like, oh yeah, 23 inch bass, that's cute. Like we get 26s down here, like that's a good size bass. So I gotta come do it. You know, you guys have a full year of growth seasons down there, we, we don't. So we have a really terrible winter for the fish. Well, I, I went up to Maine, that's where my uh, fiance is from. And we went there last April and we were doing some pike fishing. And it was, uh, there's some smallmouth on the lake too. Well, I caught like a five pound smallmouth and the the um, guide was like losing his mind. He's like, "Man, that is an awesome smallmouth. That is great." Yeah, and I'm like, "It's it's a decent fish." Like, I had no idea that a, a five pound smallmouth was supposed to be something I that's should feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I should feel really accomplished about. He's like, "Man, that's a toad. That's a football." And I'm like, "Okay, it's cool. I mean, it's like twenty. Yeah, it's like twenty twenty one inches. I mean, that's cool." That, I'm, I'm cool with that we could take some pictures let's take some pictures so it's just perspective like it, it's weird from different part of the countries the different perspectives you get about how big fish are and, and things like that but sorry go ahead personal best personal best smallmouth yeah well my pb smallmouth is 22 inches on lake st Clair up here and uh and that would still i'll probably never beat that either because a 22 inch smallmouth is pretty darn good um but either way, me and uh, my buddy Darius went out in this lake and uh, we caught, I'm trying to make sure I don't do a fisherman's exaggeration here, but we pro probably caught like 15 bass between the two of us that were all over four pounds, um, which again, up here in Michigan is like, that's huge. Like it was one of the best days of fishing. It was just like, it was all frog top water too. Like that was the coolest part. Like I call it Jack in the box fishing because you're just like, did it, did it, you know, waiting for it to like boom and scare the crap out of you. And every bass we caught that day, um, massive huge fights fly out of the water like air jaws like it was one of those days that we just couldn't believe i actually did a, a, a like a gopro vlog of it on my youtube channel but it's one of those days that we almost couldn't believe happened even after it happened um it's probably one of my best fishing days i've had um so that's i mean i could i could list a million things that i've done in fishing that i thought were amazing but that was just a really cool one that stands out um but the second question i'm actually excited about this one i love this question um my first kayak and how i got started in the sport um, and I'll try to keep it somewhat trimmed down and short for you. Um, so my first kayak was a feel free lure, um, 11.5. Um, and I just posted a memory today actually of the last day that I had that kayak and I caught my first PB in it, um, that I had up until last month. And, uh, 
that kayak, it was super special because I've never heard of the brand feel free before that. Um, never knew they existed. I never knew fishing kayaks existed. Um, I was fishing out of bass boats and everything from rowboats to canoes to bass boats. And, uh, me and my ex-wife used to do a lot of tournaments and a lot of events together and stuff. And we went on this one lake out here and there's an area of the lake called stump Bay. It used to be an orchard that flooded. So they cut the trees down at the surface of the water. So they're like three inches under the water. There's just stumps everywhere. So nobody goes back there because they know that there's stumps, but me being me, I was like, you know, it's a tournament. I'm going to try to go to the spot. No one's going. And I kept on breaking off lower units, my motor and bending props and, you know, damaging prop shafts. And, you know, I, I put like four grand in my motor in one year, and I was like, I got to find a way to get back there. So my one buddy goes, hey, look at these fishing kayaks. I'm like, dude, I have a kayak, man. If you sneeze, you flip over. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I hate swimming in these things. Like, I'm not doing it. I don't want to drop all my gear in. And he's like, no, no, no. There's a brand called Feel Free. They make a really stable kayak. And I was like, what is it called? And like, I had friends that I played hockey with and stuff that had Wilderness and Hobie. And I've heard of those ones. And I was like, what's Feel Free? So I went to a retailer, the only one in Michigan at the time that carried Feel Free. And I said, Hey, I want to look at that kayak. And they're like, Oh, you don't want that one. You want this one. And they pointed to like a Hobie, I think it was. And I was like, well, now you got my interest to look at the feel free more because like, why are you trying to steer me away from it? You know? So I sat in it and literally within 30 seconds, I sat down in it and I was like, I want this. Like it was the highest seat they had of any kayak. I think it still is. Um, it's a 10 inch rise on the seat and the platform felt like my bass boat. And I was like, this is the easiest transition from a bass boat to a kayak. Like this would be great to use here and there just to go fish that one spot. Well, then fast forward two weeks later, I ordered two of them, one for me and my ex-wife. Two weeks later, I never used the bass boat. Like I was in that kayak every single day. And I was like, wait a minute, this kayak goes everywhere the boat went, but it goes in the spots the boat couldn't go to. So why do I have the boat anymore? Like I don't need gas. I don't need like, you know, trying to teach a woman to no offense to women listening, but trying to teach a woman to back a boat up and, um, you know, do all that, the trailering and stuff like that is really tough if they'd never had experience doing it. So I always had to do it myself with the boat. And I was like, the kayaks were my way to not have to do that. I was like, I don't have to worry about trailering it or backing up or trying to teach her how to do it so I can make it easier for the two of us. So I fell in love with the kayaks. Two weeks later, I put the boat up for sale and it was gone. I was like, it's, I sold it within like 30 hours. It was just gone. I put it up really cheap. I just, I didn't want it in my driveway. And then I started telling my buddies about this. And I, I'm sure we've all done this in kayaks where, I tell my buddies about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd flip it over. Like I'd fall out of it. You're small. Like you're a short guy. Like, I, like I'm 160 pounds, you know? So like, they're like, you, you don't flip it because you're a smaller guy. I'm 250 pounds. I'll flip it. I was like, no, no, no. You got to see it. No one believed me. And nobody had really fishing kayaks around here. So I started making videos on YouTube. I've never made videos on YouTube. I didn't know what I was doing. And I started making videos on YouTube and just so I can send them to these guys and go, no, look, like here's a highlight reel of all the fish I caught last week. Like, look at this kayak. I was standing up in it. Isn't that crazy? Like it's nuts. So then uh, I started getting messages from feel free and they're like, Hey man, we like this video. Can we share it? And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. Like I, I fanboyed out cause a brand actually contacted me. And I was like, you know, I have experience in, in professional sports, but not, fishing so big you know like such a big sport so I was like oh my god this company's reaching out to me so then i did something that i still laugh at with the feel free guys i've been with them for almost seven years now and i still laugh about this um they pretty much told me we either need to hire you or we need to tell you to leave us alone because i was posting so much content um and i was tagging them and everything and they're just like dude you need to calm down or we need to bring you on board we don't know which one is smarter yet and i was like all right well i'm not gonna calm down so it's up to you so they brought me on board i fell in love with the sport like crazy and literally ever since then my my goal my my passion has been to try to spread the love of the sport and 
like how I fell in love with it and how it, it literally changed my life. Like it gave me an outlet that I never knew I had. And that's literally my mission with everything I do with my show, with everything is I want everyone to see how cool the sport is. And even just getting out in a kayak, not even fishing, just getting out in the water is just such a cool, relaxing, therapeutic thing to do. That was the short version. Hey, hey, Drew, you know, uh, I've noticed something when we have certain guests on that uh, are really seriously i mean everybody we've had on has been passionate about what they do right they're all passionate about you know whether they're a bait builder or a rod builder or um, they you know pedal reels or whatever it may be but the kayak guys that are really passionate about kayak fishing they've always got that story down pat like they've told it time and time and time again and Mike, yours is probably right there with Drew Gregory. Like the way that he told his story about how he got into kayak fishing was almost like it was just second nature. And um, that just really goes to show that when you got into it, man, you really got into it. Not oh, just the fact that you quit your your corporate job later on, you know, and, and became one a year company. later, by the way, one I don't mean to interrupt you again, but literally after one year, of my do kayak, I quit like, and that's a whole nother story we can get into if you guys want to hear it. But, um, I literally, do you guys want to hear that story? Can I tell you that story? Okay. I'll, I'll try to trim it down again. I'm sorry. I talk a lot too, but you mentioned the freshwater guys talk a lot and I was like, yeah, she's, she's right. <laughs> um, but so after having the kayaks and I started making content, I literally saw this, this opening and I was like, why am I the only person getting attention from some of these brands for making videos? Like, is nobody else making videos? So I started looking around and I ran into, um, you know, people like Chad Hoover, Drew Gregory, um, Robert Field. And uh, I ran into those, those three guys and I was like, all right, that's it. Like I thought there'd be thousands of people. And those were the only three guys at the top of the list that I could find. And I was like, all right, well, they're all doing something that's awesome. Like I, I loved little pieces of what everybody was doing, but I'm like, but I, what I want to do is something completely different. I wonder if there's room for it. I wonder if there's a, an opening for it. So I started reaching out to companies and brands and stuff. And I was like, Hey, like I, you know, I got a, a past in video production and music production and stuff, and sales and marketing and everything. Like, I really want to do this. Like my goal was to not really make money, but my goal was to make fishing not cost money. You know, like I was doing my day job just so I could afford to go fishing. Like most of us do. And Sounds I was like, like Drew, no. there. Yeah, well, that's what most people do. Most people have a day job to afford to do the, what they really want to do. In, in, in order to afford your hobby, you have to have your day job that you just usually hate, just so you can afford to do it. Where I was doing that, and I was like, well, I'm only going to work. Like I was a director at a at a promotional marketing company. I was a sales director, so I could come and go as I please. I had my own hours. I, I was a partner there. I didn't really have like a boss or anything. So I was doing most of my meetings on my bass boat at the time, um, or most of my meetings on the phone while I was in my kayak even. Um, I didn't really go to my office anymore. And I was there maybe once or twice every th three, three weeks maybe. And then after a while, I was like, you know, if I can make money doing this, like I made money in mixed martial arts, I made money in hockey, like I've done other sports where I was like, I think I can take all the stuff that I've learned from sales and marketing and other sports that I've done. Um, I think I could find a way to make money doing this. like. I started getting stuff for free. So I'm like, now I'm not going to pay for things anymore, but maybe I can make money doing this. So I don't have to do my day job anymore. Like I loved marketing. I loved my day job, but I, I didn't see a future in it anymore. I did, I did it for 13 years. And I was like, 
I was getting to the point where I just didn't want to go anymore. I just didn't want to do it. And not that I hated the job. I just, it just became so like mundane. And I was like, there's no fire, no excitement anymore, but fishing, no matter what day it was or what body of water I went on or what fish I caught or didn't catch, it was always exciting. Like you're always excited for the adventure and for what might happen when you go to work. It's never like, Oh my God, what could happen today? I'm so excited. Like it never happens like that. So I went to work and I, I, uh, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be here. I'm going out fishing. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we'll see whatever. Went fishing that day. I was on the phone with a, on the phone with a guy. Um, he was a, I think it was a pizzeria, um, a chain of pizzerias that I was doing marketing for. I had clients that were all over from like Eminem to Kid Rock to pizzerias to breweries. Like I did every industry. I did promotional marketing for everybody. This guy was like a pizzeria chain guy. And I remember I caught a huge fish and I was like, Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are you fishing right now? And I was like, yeah. He's like, how big was it? And I'm like, I'll send you a picture. I sent him pictures. We talked for like an hour about fishing after that. And then I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Like, why am I even talking to this guy about work when this dude got so excited about fishing instead? Like, I don't think I'm, I, I think I know what I need to do. I called, um, I called, uh, my old partner and called the office. I was like, Hey man, I put my two weeks in. He's like, I figured he goes, when are you going to be done? I'm like, whenever I can, do you want me to train somebody? What do you want me to do? He's like, no, just come back. If you ever want to come back, like we, we get it. And I literally left my job. I was making 500 bucks a month. That was it. Like no joke. I was making 500 bucks a month fishing, but I knew if I took all of my attention off of my day job and put it into my passion and what I really wanted to do, I knew my ambition level. I knew my talent level. I knew that I, 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 I just won't give up. And I was like, if I have those traits, there's no way I'll fail. And if I do fail, maybe I won't fail too hard where I can keep on going still. And that's exactly what happened. And I turned that within a year, I turned that into making almost the same I was making at my marketing job. Um, and that's when I proved to myself, I was like, I had a lot of down spots. Like I had a lot of spots where I had like zero on bank account. Um, but then after a year I was like, all right, I see the path. Like I see what I'm going to do. I want to make a TV show. Like I want to make a show that can have a huge platform that can inspire a lot of people, motivate a lot of people to do the same thing I did. Like I want people to take risks and, and chase what makes them happy instead of chasing money, you know, instead of chasing material things that they think is going to make them happy, chase the memories that are really going to make them happy. And that's kind of where it snowballed to where I'm at. So it, that's how I did the transition. I didn't do it the right way. I would never recommend anybody to quit their job without a savings account saved up pretty big or without a better plan than I had, but there was no Just book. You know, me a sugar mama. That's what I'm using. That's what I should have done. You know, like I should have, like, I should have really thought that through more. And my, that's the thing I tell everybody. I had no, there's no plan. Like I was, I was doing research and talking to Robert Field all the time. I was talking to Chad Hoover. I was talking. God, to God help you. If you were talking to Rob all the time about that stuff, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Bobby. Oh, Bobby's one of our. We used to have a kayaking fish, kayak fishing group down here in Texas called the Yak Offs. Okay. It was nothing serious, <laughs> awesome. man. Nothing serious at I love all. It. Bobby was one of the Yak Offs, one of the originals, the OGs. Um, I got he kicked seems out like of an OG Yak Off. Yeah, yeah. Got out of that group numerous times, man. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen the video like that blew up of Rob where he was flipped his kayak, caught the shark? It's one of his like very yeah, first videos. Launched them actually, yeah. Yeah, well, you know why he was by himself, right? Because none of us would go fishing with him that day because we're like, dude, it's way too rough. Like, we are not going out there right now. We are done. This is all you. If you want to go out there, go ahead. But we we're we're not heading out there. Um, what stuck out to me too about you know the guys that you just talked about was. I know we've had Drew on the show. We've had Chad on the show and we know Rob. 
um, all of those guys did kind of the same thing. Like whenever they decided to, I mean, they had a little bit of success. And then once they tasted a little bit of that success, they said, okay, I'm done. Like Drew quit working for the baseball teams and stuff like that. And Rob quit being an accountant. And I don't know what Chad did before, but Chad quit doing whatever he was doing. And you guys just kind of went all in. It's, it's very hard to do both. And I think it may be even harder to decide, hey, I'm going to leave the security of this job that I've been doing for the past 10 years and go chase something where I may only make $500 a month. Like that's that's scary to a lot of people. It is, but it takes a certain kind of person to be able to take that risk. And you got to believe in yourself enough because you're going to fail. Like when you do stupid decisions like that, and I say stupid, not because they're, they end up bad, but because they're usually never prepared or thought out correctly because you can't. Um, but I've done it multiple times in my life and I've failed at plenty of things. And that's how you learn. Like when you fail, like I always say this too, like if you fail, you got to try to plan on failing forward. Meaning if you fall, you don't want to fall backwards and then you get up behind where you were. You want to fall forward. So when you get up, you learn something and you're ahead of where you were when you failed. And I failed plenty of times in my life. So when I came into this, I was like, you know what? If I, if I don't make this work, if I fail, I already know how to get back up. I already know how to rebuild. If I fail it, it's okay. Like I know that I can work off of it. And I think that's, that's the rare part is people, you know, me, Robert and Chad and everybody, like all those guys were, were so different. Like there's, there's nothing that I could say that would make it sound like we're similar in any way to any of us, but we all have that one thing where it's like, we don't give up. If you fall, people get scared and they go, Oh, that was scary. I failed. Like I lost everything. I got to go back to something safe where people like me and Robert, so like that, when we fail and we're like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? We go, all right, let's work twice as hard and risk more. You know, it's like a gambler at the table and just keep on gambling until you get enough where you don't have to gamble. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I got lucky and I uh, I got around all those guys. I did episodes with Robert, with Chad, with uh, Gene Jensen, with, um, you know, I got around all those guys and did episodes with them in my very first few videos. My very first video I ever did on YouTube as an episode with, with, with Chad was a guest. Um, and I did that because there were certain little things I liked about what he did, but I didn't want to do what he was doing. There were certain things that I liked about what Robert was doing and, and Robert, you know, I, I give him the most credit for helping me get started because I used to call him and email him all the time and be like, Hey, how do I film this? How do I do that? He would send me emails like this long of critique in my YouTube videos. And I, I didn't expect that. I was like, man, you really put time in. He goes, well, I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, one in a hundred will actually take my advice and do something with it and actually make it worth my time. The other 99 will waste my time. He goes, I don't think you're going to waste my time. So I'll take my time to give you critiques on your videos. And it turned my YouTube videos and I've never deleted a video for a reason. If you go back on my YouTube channel and look at 2016, the first three videos were called fishing highlight reels and they're absolutely ridiculous. They are terrible. They were filmed on $25 Amazon cameras. It was, I, I had no idea what I was doing and they're embarrassing, but, I, I did that first. Then Robert critiqued the crap out of me, pretty much said, these suck, do something different. And I was like, oh man, all right. And I did something completely different. And that's where I came up with the format that I have today. And I started doing that format like after Robert critiques me. So, and he introduced me to my first sponsor even. So I have to like, I have to give Robert a whole lot of credit, but I still took 5% of what I saw and learned from all of these guys. And I put it all together and said, cool, now I've learned what these people did that I liked and I know what I don't like that they all do. And now I can form my own, my own style, my own approach, my own everything and do something completely different. 
And, and that's kind of where I've been ever since is just riding that un that unwalked trail, just trying to see if there's any holes in the ground I'm going to fall in, or if a mountain's I got to climb, or if there's a smooth path here and there, you know, it's just, it's, there's, like I said, there's no book on this stuff. So, you know, you just got to kind of do as much research as you can and educate yourself the best you can and take that risk because the only thing you can ever believe in that you have control of is yourself. If you believe in your spouse or your, your, you know, your job or fishing or whatever you believe in, it could fail you because you have no control over it. You can't control other people. You can't control the weather. You can't control fish, but you can control yourself. So if you believe in yourself, at least you can fix something that's wrong. You can at least, you know, adjust your course as you go and actually make changes because you have control, you know? So ladies and gentlemen, not only today are we going to entertain you with fishing stories, but we're bringing you pure motivational speeches here from Mike. Um, motivational Mike is here with us in the studio. <laughs> oh, Chris, you, you, you know what will never fail you? What? Like, I know he's, he's talking about other stuff, but you know what will never fail you? What? Tacos. Tacos have never failed me. <laughs> My whole life, no matter what it was, tacos. Man. <laughs> you, got, you got a guy over here who complains all the time about his gut health, but he still <laughs> wakes up in the morning, and one thing that he craves that he can't stop eating is damn gas station tacos. It, look, it's not gas station tacos. Like, Christina, I, look, I'm not going to let you disrespect Christina like that and say they're gas station tacos. Christina wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning to cook these tacos fresh every day. Carne asada. Where does she sell them? It doesn't matter where she sells them, Chris. It just matters that you're not going to disrespect Christina at the Shell Station on 105, okay? <laughs> Do not talk about her like that. All right, buddy. She, she works hard for those. You know, the best, I, I had the, best Mexican food, the best Mexican food I've had in my entire life was in Port Aransas. And, and I didn't know, like, what real Mexican food was because up here, it's not Mexican food. No matter what restaurant you go to in Michigan, if it says Mexican, authentic, whatever – you go down to Port Aransas and we found this little hole in the wall with like some old lady with a dog in the kitchen and everything just slapping food together. Like I was like, I'm like, I'm getting sick from this. I guarantee you I'm going to get some kind of disease from this place. But it was the best. I went there every morning. We got uh, uh, we got gorditas with a thick uh, corn tortilla, which is we don't have those up here anywhere. And then uh, machicados con huevos every single morning. Um, the best breakfast I've ever had in my life. Never had food like that. So I will say that Texas, I always answer this question when people ask me my favorite food I've ever had anywhere in the country. It's Texas and, and Mexican food. Like the tacos, everything there is so good. And it's like the, the dirtiest looking restaurant is like the best restaurant. Mm -hmm. In Detroit, it's the opposite. In Detroit, you're like, yeah, I'm not going there. Like there's no yeah, way. You, if you go outside of Texas and Louisiana and Florida and you start eating at hole in the walls, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get... Uh, uh, some sort of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> but, dysentery. I haven't heard that since uh, Oregon Trail. There you go. But Texas, Louisiana, Florida, you go into the hole in the walls. Man, some of the best raw bars I've ever been to in Florida look like just dumps, man. And they're just fantastic places to eat. So. Yeah, we had some, what crawfish, some good crawfish boils in Louisiana and like it looked like an outhouse. You know, <laughs> it's like but it was like some of the best like crawfish I've ever had. I was like, all right, I get it. Like I like I, when I travel for my show too, I always like my crew is a little bit pickier than I am. And I, I have celiac disease, so I can't eat everything. But like, I always try to find like whatever is authentic to that area. Like if I go to Wisconsin, I'm getting cheese curds, you know, like I want something that's 
I can experience there that I know I can't experience here in Michigan. So it's it's Texas was amazing for that for food. Cheese curds. What? Dude, cheese curds are absolutely amazing. Like they they look terrible and it sounds terrible, but cheese curds like a big bag of cheese curds like you go through like a pound. <laughs> sounds of like bad. A pound of cheese curds. That I'm serious? Anyone from Wisconsin will agree with me. It's like the best thing in the world. That sounds like something I can get behind. Do you take a bunch of lactates before you eat that? <laughs> no, you know, and it's funny because like dairy usually bothers me a little bit, like most people. And I I went through bags of cheese curds. There was somebody from I forgot who it was. Someone was at the KBF Nationals like in 2017, I think it was, or maybe 18, um, and they brought a big bag of cheese curds. And I remember I was like, "Give me some of those," and everyone's like, "What?" I'm like, "Dude, try one." That dude had like a five pound bag of cheese curds, and it was gone. Like the whole, everyone just went nuts over it. I was like, they're like little bite-sized cheese balls. Okay, so here, good. Here's a pretty good topic. Foods, <laughs> foods that that are in different regions and areas of the United States. Like, if you go to that place, you must have it. That that's what I was gonna. I was I was about to ask that follow-up question. You were you were in my head because well, Texas, Texas, you know, Tex-Mex barbecue, Louisiana crawfish. Boudin, you know, seafood in Florida, Wisconsin, you're talking about cheese curds. What about like Michigan? If I come to Michigan, what do I need to eat in Michigan? Two things. Uh, for some reason, we're really famous for Coney dogs, like Detroit style Coney dogs. I'm not really sure why, to be honest with you. There's some story behind it, I'm sure. But I will say this, the most iconic meal up in this part of the country, at least that people forget about is salmon. You can get fresh caught grilled salmon in Michigan. Very, 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 that, very good. Um, I'm actually salmon. making salmon this weekend again, but um, you can't get salmon in a lot of places in the country. So um, we have a plethora of, of fish up here that you can eat that are delicious that a lot of places don't have, like um, walleye, uh, you know, the cold water fish pretty much, I like walleye, northern walleye. pike. And walleye and yellow perch, delicious. Yep, yellow perch is amazing. We have black crappies up here, which down south is mostly white crappies, but there's still black crappies all over the place. But um, you know, we have our walleye up here. We have our northern pike up here. We have, um, you know, steelhead, trout, salmon, and all the stuff, the northern stuff. And I, I think salmon is the most iconic thing up here and, and walleye and stuff because it is very regional specific. But Detroit's known for coney dogs. Um, like Detroit-style conies are like a big deal, and I'm not sure why. I always thought like New York was Coney Island kind of thing. Um, and, and same thing with pizza. Like Detroit-style pizza is a big thing, but... Again, I don't know why. I don't know enough about it to know why. But I would definitely say salmon's a big thing up here. Is there a lot of places that do the Detroit-style pizza? Because I just see the Pizza Hut commercial where they put the sauce on top of the cheese in the middle of it. Is that is that like a thing thing? Like yeah, I guess. The, the pizzerias I mean, do it? Yeah, I mean, I don't eat pizza because I'm lactose – or not lactose intolerant. I have celiac, so I can't have bread. So uh, I don't eat pizza anymore. But um, – I, I see it everywhere. My whole life, Detroit-style pizza is like a big deal. Same thing with Coney's, but I really don't know enough about it to know why. I don't know. But, yeah, Detroit-style pizza is like a massive big deal. But, again, mm. when I go to Chicago, Chicago pizza is a big deal, and that makes sense to me. The way they do it's different. New York pizza is different. Detroit pizza, I don't really understand. <laughs> they were just like, let's put them together. Yeah, Texas pizza is badass, man. If you've ever been to Maud, Maud is shit. I don't even know what that is. That's good pizza. Anyway. It's the subway of pizzas, but yeah, go ahead. Hey, um, oh, like mod pizza. About, yeah, yeah, we have those up here. Yeah. You were talking about, um, you said, you know, Florida seafood. 
that's not what I was thinking. You know, you were you always talk about Texas and and gas station tacos. In Florida, is bold peanuts. Oh, that's true. They do do bold peanuts and God, stuff. That's I, like an Alabama, Florida, Georgia type thing, right? You no, know, I don't know, but it looks disgusting, and and I just have not been able to get into the bold peanut thing. I assume it's like warm peanut butter. I mean. I don't know. You know what Florida doesn't have? Good Mexican food ever anywhere. Anyway. Like, if if I wanted to make some money, I would open up a taco truck and just drive around the Destin, well, Fort Walton you, area because it is horrible. They got, we should they take got, a really quick break and welcome everybody to the food the food playbook. Right now. <laughs> yeah. The food truck playbook. We is, do. Uh, there you go. We end up talking about food quite a bit on here. Um, Drew obviously is a big boy. And he definitely likes to eat. Um, and we have, Mike, we have this annual um, fishing camp. We call it the Bro Staff Meetup. So all of our listeners, we um, we have given them the moniker Bro Staff. Okay. I love um, it. Take, taking away the negative connotation to the, the term and, and spun it in a way that, you know, people can actually be proud to be part of the Bro Staff. And we have this annual party. Um, and... It's a fish camp, fishing camp style, and the food is really what everybody wants to talk about before and after this event. Um, everybody brings their toys that they use to cook different meals. It always ends up being Drew and this guy Kyle with their fire discs and and tossing carne asada and uh, and and fajita chicken around. And this time, uh, old Pat had some steak, man. Grilled up some steak, shared with everybody. I mean, it, it, sometimes this is the Food Network. <laughs> I, I got to say, too, like, I was a little taken back this year because, you know, the first year me and Kyle cooked, the second year me and Kyle cooked, and then, like, everybody came back from fishing, and me and Kyle, no, Kyle was still out there, but I was at camp, and we everybody... Well, everybody was like, oh, you ain't started cooking yet? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You were hungry, like, y'all need to chill. Exactly. I was like, man, y'all are starting to expect this now. Like, let's. Well, it was mainly my brother, too. He was like, you ain't started cooking yet? And I'm like, you ain't started cooking yet? Like, where's your stuff to cook? I was waiting on you. Exactly. You going to keep waiting. Just. Let me, I got to wait for Kyle to get back anyway. You know how there's those people that'll uh, eat and leave or what they call it, eat and run, you know, they just, that's what they're there for. Drew's the type, he cooked and then left. Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> you know, my favorite thing to do after eating though, is playing nap? the new fish on board game from the Basquatch Hunter. Oh, look, <laughs> plug it, plug it. All right. Hey, tell us what this is about. I heard that it came out at ICAST or, or not came out, but it was. It was introduced, and you showed some folks at ICAST that you have yep. a, an actual game board game um, that is, is central around fishing. And yes. Ki- or is it kayak fishing or just fishing in general? It's fishing in general, but it's made for – so we tested for a year. We're like, this has actually been a long process, and we tested with kids and adults, and the kids – uh, even my nephews to this day still beg me to play it all the time. The kids loved it because there's three main things that helps with kids, teaches them about fishing, 
teach them how fishing tournaments work. And then it gives them a realistic idea of what a day of fishing is like, because there's obstacles, there's chances you'll catch no fish during the game, there's chances that you'll catch big fish. And and how many times do you guys and any fisherman that hears this will agree with me? How many times do kids come up to you and go, I caught a 29 inch bass or I caught a I caught a 10 pound bass or I caught a bass this big and they don't mean to lie. They just don't know how bass work or what size to expect. So this game also gives them that because there's cards that have length and weight of average size of each fish. So that gives them like a realistic expectation of what to catch in the water. So what the game is, I'll give you a quick rundown. You guys can see this on Kickstarter right now, by the way, too. It's called Fish On. Um, you can see it all over my Facebook page, too. But uh, this game is called Fish On. This is our little mascot right here, uh, Seth Squatch. Um, Seth Squatch is a really cool character. Like a quick 30-second rundown of who Seth Squatch is and why he has a game. Um, Seth is a Sasquatch that was hiding in the woods for hundreds of years with his family. He was told to never be around humans because they were hunting them. Never meet anyone different than you. Always stay in your little bubble. Um, it's scary outside kind of thing. Then he ran into a kayak fisherman one day that came back in the woods and ventured off like we do sometimes. And uh, he was like, oh, my God, a human. And the human's like, oh, my God, a Sasquatch. Then he realized, like, wait a minute. It's not that scary. He's like, what are you doing? I'm fishing. So the kayak fisherman taught Seth how to fish. Seth caught a huge bass. It was the biggest bass that he's ever seen. So he got the nickname the Basquatch Hunter because he found the Sasquatch-sized fish, which they called a Basquatch. So um, Seth decided to leave the woods every day and meet someone new and learn something new and figure out what he's been missing all this time from hiding. And then when he started meeting people different than him, he realized that, hey, people are cool and people do cool things. And they want he wanted to learn as much as he could from everybody. But then he wanted to bring him back into the woods and teach him how to fish, like what he learned. Um, and it's kind of the same thing like I did. It's like how my my thing went and his story is based off of kind of my episodes of my show where we take people fishing that aren't fishermen teach them how to do what we do and then we go in their world and learn how to do what they do and show off how cool they are and how they chase their dreams and you know follow their passions and do something a little bit different than a normal nine to five job um so the board game is based all around that so every day seth leaves the woods and here's the game on the back right there you guys can see the board and the cards and everything like that and uh can i give you a rundown real quick is that cool like Oh, dude, okay. this is this is your show, man. Okay, it'll be it'll be. Yeah. So when you open this up, you'll see. Uh, well, this one is a first edition one, so you get a first edition certificate right here that's autographed and signed by everybody, and then you get the rules card. And you guys can all see this on a video on Kickstarter too. It gives more explanation. The rule card looks like a boat dock thing. There's the rules and how you play it. Super, super, super simple. And the point of the game. So this is you guys are gonna love this. So the point of the game is to get the most fish by the end of the game, just like a tournament. So you have a board like that. I don't know if I get it on camera correctly. And uh, so you start at the start line and you go around the board. It's going to fold on its own here. Um, and you land on fish spots. So if you land on a spot that says life jacket, you have to go back to start, get your life jacket. So it teaches everybody to bring life jackets. You can land on a fishing license over here and have to go back and get a fishing license. Um, you land on fish on spots right here. And you got a deck of cards that come in a little supply sack right here, the dice and the cards and everything. And uh, you get cards and you pull a card that's got like a smallmouth bass on it, largemouth bass, um, all that stuff. I'll show you a quick rundown of it. And uh, it, it's it's really cool because you get five fish. There's five nets on each side. You get to put a fish in your net when you catch one. So if you get a largemouth bass, six pounds, 21 and a half inches, you put it in your net. Um, if you get a smallmouth bass, five and a half pounds, 21 inches, you put it in your net. 
You can also get a grass bass, which is a ball of seaweed. You have to go back a few spaces. There's uh, <laughs> line snapped. You got to skip a turn. There's uh, there's a tree pounder. Uh, if you catch a tree, you have to go back. Um, broken rod, go back to start. Like so, there's all these different like bluegill pull a different card. Um, if you catch a pike, you lose a fish. Um, so there's all these cool different like experiences that you get in a normal day of fishing. So it, like I said, it teaches you what a normal day of fishing could actually give you, whether it's fish or grass bass or tree pounders or whatever. And then at the end of the game, and you know, you can get an eight and a half pound bass squatch, which is 24 inch bass. At the end of the game, you add up your inches or pounds, however you want to play and see who has the most in their nets. And you can have up to five, then you have to call out like a normal tournament. Um, or you could have three fish that are bigger than someone else's four fish, just like a normal day of fishing in a tournament. And then whoever wins gets the bass squatch on a trophy. And then you play again and you pass it around and it's super fun. But the main part of the game, is it teaches everybody what a normal day of fishing is like. Now, the adults that we tested with, um, or that still play it to this day, turn it into a drinking game. Like when you get a bass watch, you do a shot. Um, you know, everyone turns things into drinking. So that tested really well for adults. But the biggest thing that everyone liked was that whether you're a fisherman or not, you could play it. If you are a fisherman, though, you get super competitive with it. You start talking trash, and it gets it gets pretty intense. Like, we had some screen matches in quite a few games where people were like, oh, I lost by one inch, and they, like, swipe all the players off the board. And uh, it's pretty cool, though. But this game is super fun. We spent a year making this thing. It's in production now. Like, you can go on Kickstarter and buy one right now, um, and it's super, super cool. And I will tell you, like, an exclusive thing on here, too, that I haven't really released publicly yet. Um, we have a children's book series coming out that follows the game as well. Um, the first two books are done, or the first book is done. The second one's almost done. It's in editing right now. Um, and it's a 12-book series. And every book is based on an episode of our show. So the first book is Seth's origin story, what I talked about earlier, where Seth left the woods, um, met his first human. Um, the first book picks up there where he meets like a race car driver and learns how to drive cars and learns about patience and learns about being uh, not being distracted when you're focusing on things and learns how to be tough and then takes a NASCAR driver back in the woods and teaches him how to fish. Then in the book, there's a map of the board game and it shows you where they fished in Seth's world. Um, and then the next book, you'll meet like a figure skater and it follows our figure skating episode where you learn like strength and conditioning and balance and and it gives all these really cool messages. So, and it's like a 900 word, like really easy to read um, illustrated kids book. Um, that way if kids read the books, that's gonna make them want to play the game. They play the game. It's going to make them want to watch the show. They watch the show. It's going to make them want to go fishing. Um, and that's kind of the whole plan is to get people into fishing and to chasing their dreams. And this is just another vehicle to get us there. So it's really cool. Drew, one of the first things he said was it's, this teaches children how uh, tournaments work. But nowhere in all the rule cards or the the draw one cards or the draw two cards did I see any egg weights. Ooh. You know what's funny is no joke. When we released this game like a week and a half ago, and so it was like right in the big. The, uh oh, version one point one needs to be. Dude, the peak of all of that. And no joke, we thought about I talked to my my illustrator that I work with, and I was like, dude, we should do a graphic where Seth, our character, has like a big bag of weights and it says he's going fishing. And we we're gonna do that, but we're like, you know, we don't want to play into it. And yes. like you know, I'm not one of those guys. I've I know I know people who made a lot of money off of that whole thing, like getting millions of views on YouTube for doing reaction videos and all stuff like that. It's like I made one post that I thought was funny, which is a picture I took at Walmart of all the weights that were on sale and said, Hey, look, walleye baits are on sale. That was it. I was like, you know, and I got like 2000 likes on it right away. I was like, you know, I don't want to exploit that because 
that's that's a stain in our sport. And anytime someone cheats, or anytime someone gets caught cheating, anytime it gets exposed, especially at that level, I mean, people were calling me, like my mom and dad called me one day and said, hey, we saw this on Fox Sports, like on Fox News. Did you see, or on CNN, like this was everywhere. And I was like, yeah, I saw it 87,000 times today. Like everyone's messaging me, I, I know. And they're like, oh, isn't that crazy? I'm like, now the sad part is, is everyone thinks that fishing is riddled with cheaters. Like, it looks like it happens all the time and no one's just been caught yet. Like, now everyone is so suspicious where it makes them reluctant to even want to enter a tournament or want to enter the sport. So I don't like I don't like promoting that. I don't like perpetuating it more than it should. Unfortunately, the way media works nowadays, anything negative gets blown out of proportion and gets spread like wildfire. Well, people love. Uh-huh. Anything positive gets made fun of or tucked under the rug or... Like if I post a video of me buying everyone food at a McDonald's for an hour, um, I get ridiculed for having to post it and trying to get pat myself on the back. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to share something positive against all that negative crap that you guys all share all the time. Um, you know, so it's like, it, it's funny how that all worked. But that cheating thing came out. I was, I just put my head down and shook my head, and I was like, well, here we go again. Like I, for the next six months, I'm gonna have to explain to people that's not how tournaments really work, and that doesn't really happen all the time. Like if someone wants to do something bad in this world, they'll find a way to do it. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter what, you know, if they have a weapon or not. If someone wants to create harm or do something negative, they're going to do it. It's bad people, not bad sport. It's bad people. And, you know, I, I hate that whole situation. It sucks that it happened. I'm glad they got caught, um, but it well, sucks it has to it happen. Big. It has to happen from time to time because you got to be able to put people in check. And the only way that you can yep. put people in check is to have those guys get caught. Um like you said, if somebody wants to do it, they're going to do it. Yep. It doesn't matter um, the system that's been in put, put in place to help deter cheaters. Cheaters are going to cheat in an event um, and they need to be caught from time to time. Uh, well, they need to be caught all the time. <laughs> uh, and honestly, that's that's where, you know, and Drew said it. Drew Gregory said it pretty good or said it well um, recently whenever. He was talking about, uh, you know, having his trophy stripped away and then giving back. He's like, he's like, look, this is the way things work, man. You know, and yeah, I like that he supported it, too. That was good. Yeah. Of him. I'm glad he did that because like some people I, I saw some people were commenting about the whole thing, saying how he was just trying to get attention and trying to do this. And I was like, no, it's good that he's he's letting people know, like, he's not upset about this. Like, he's welcome. Like, this needs to happen. There needs to be checks and balances like there needs to be. There needs to be people that challenge it. And and it's funny because a big name in kayak fishing, one of the biggest female names in kayak fishing, came out and said that she was one of the people that actually questioned, you know, the legitimacy of Drew. Christy? Yeah. And I thought it was good of her. I'm like, good that she admitted that it was her, that she was one of them. It's good that Drew admitted that he understands the, you know, the um, investigation behind it and that he welcomed it. And he was like, hey, if it turned out I did something wrong disqualify me like absolutely and i did the same thing i had a tournament the last tournament i've ever done actually um i did a tournament four years ago five years four years ago it's the last one i've done um and me and my ex-wife did a tournament together her first one she got sixth place i got 32nd place we fished together the entire time the same bait the same areas i had to help her do cpr photos like she's not used to it she didn't no idea what she was doing i just thought it'd be fun to do one day and by the end of the day, everybody accused us of cheating, even though I had four fish, whatever. Like I was in 32nd place out of 60 um, because we caught the same fish, 13 inch bass, like the smallest fish possible, like an hour and a half apart. Everyone blew up about it. I was like, hey, like, go ahead and look at it. Disqualify me. It's a, it is the same fish, but it's an hour and a half apart. We're using the same bait fish in the same area, like disqualify me or, t- or c- take that fish. Who cares? Like, 
And it was the same idea where people like went nuts about it. And I was like, look, like if it's the same fish and that's not allowed as an accident, go ahead and disqualify it or take it off or whatever it takes. Like you got to realize that those things need to happen. Like if you do something wrong on an accident and you get disqualified for it, or you get a fish taken away for it, that's a good thing. That means the system is working. Like that means that everything is going the way it's supposed to. I've had so many deductions. There's a guy up here in Michigan, the first tournament director I ever met, who will tell you this too. He hated me when I first started doing tournaments because every fish I submitted would have a deduction or disqualified every fish. Cause I just couldn't get the hang of, I went from bass boats and live wells to kayak fishing with no, no one to help me. So I could not get the fish pictures correct. I couldn't get a mouth closed. I couldn't get a tail down. I couldn't put my hand anywhere else besides their head. Like I was doing terrible pictures. String and them and bring them, baby. String them and bring them. It was terrible. And it's funny because he got so angry with me. And I was like, dude, disqualify my fish. I don't care. I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm learning. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And hey, even when I do know what I'm doing, I'm going to make mistakes. So get, when Drew called getting, that out, it made me really happy. Little, like, you're getting a little spicy about this, man. I need to bring you down a notch. Look, I, I, I want to say something. I want to say something real quick. You are one of the nicest people we've ever had on this show because I, when, when somebody becomes my ex-wife, I don't even talk to them anymore. I don't buy them kayaks and take them fishing to tournaments. What are you doing taking your ex-wife to? Well, tournaments? she wasn't my ex-wife at the time. <laughs> She's my ex-wife now. And, and in all honesty, like this is way off. Like now we're going like in the parking lot behind left field. But um, just because we weren't good in a marriage doesn't mean that we aren't good people. Like I don't judge people based off of stuff like that because, you know, it's like if it's like if me and you were friends for a long time, then one of us did something that just rubbed us the wrong way. We stopped being friends. It doesn't mean that we weren't friends before. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that we're not compatible. It just means that we don't belong in the same in the same uh, environment at the same time. That doesn't mean someone's a bad person. Like I have people in this industry that I refuse to call friends. Like there's people in this industry that I'm not a fan of at all um, or things they do. Um, but I don't think they're bad people. I just think that their personality or what they do or things they say don't align with what I do or what I say. So we don't belong in the same we've, group. We've gone from motivational Mike to relationship advice, Mike. <laughs> Some of them are bad people, though. But go ahead. <laughs> some of them, are shit some, are, some, are, yeah, some of them are douche cabooses, like for oh, real. I, I totally agree. There's there's douche canoes in the sport, but I will tell you this: to somebody, they're not a douche canoe. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so the way I look at it is other just, other douche canoes. That's that's. Think about it this way. Um, I don't want to get. I can't get. You're so. Phone. You're so not. You're. You're trying not to say names. I can oh, tell. I, mean, I want. I wish I could, but I won't. Because I. That's another thing. I've never bad talked to anybody in public because I won't. Because check out our Patreon for the exclusive content where he tells us who the douche caboose is. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, uh, for basquash after dark. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I wanted to comment real quick on the Drew Gregory thing, and I like Drew a lot, and I don't want this to be misconstrued as me saying anything negative about him, but I think he was okay with them you know, looking into it and the initial disqualification and things like that because a lot of these top competitors are pushing the boundaries. And they know that they're pushing the boundaries. They know that they're pushing the limits. So when somebody questions maybe something that they were doing that, you know, is right on, on that edge, that's what competitors do. Competitors push it to that very edge. And I, I think a lot of people are okay when some stuff like this happens is because they're very competitive. And they kind of already knew, like, hey, this is, 
This is right. This is right there. So, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative connotation or anything, but I think we're kind of all trying to find that competitive advantage within the rules for most people. Like the, nobody wins a race by hanging back and being safe, you know. So exactly, you know, I get that one hundred percent. And it, like I play hockey. I actually have a hockey game tonight. Actually, I gotta watch the clock. Um, I have a hockey game tonight, and uh, I always say the same thing. Like. I get penalties in hockey. It's not because I'm a jerk. It's not because I'm trying to hurt people. It's because when you're passionate about something and you're trying really hard to be good at it, you you bend the rules a little bit. Like I might like hook someone a little bit here and there with my stick, or I might like bump them a little harder than I'm supposed to and check them into the boards or something. And it's not because I'm a bad person. I'm trying to hurt anybody like that. It's because you're pushing that. Like you just said, like you're flirting with that. Like I'm not, I don't want to get in trouble or hurt anybody or anything wrong, but I want to do better than you. Like I want to hear the Astros. You bang on trash cans. I mean, nobody said you couldn't see. I wish I followed baseball better because our famous Detroit Tigers pister, pit, pitcher, pitcher, uh, pitcher became a Houston Astro. And everyone well, in he was coached became... by Houston Astro as well. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. I don't follow baseball. Uh, yeah. Alan Ashby was uh, the, the coach of the Detroit Tigers and he was a, uh, Houston Astros catcher. Uh, oh, that's cool. But Is that why Ash- Verlander went to Houston? No, no. Oh. Um, it's because Detroit no longer wanted to pay him $25 million a year. Yeah, it was it, it was the Tex-Mex. He wanted to come here for the Tex-Mex. Well, the, I want some gas station tacos. Yeah. Well, that and no state income tax and, you know, some of that other stuff when you're making 20, 30 million dollars a year. You'd be amazed how many Detroit fans became Houston Astros fans when that happened. Like it was like it ain't I've wrong. never seen people support the Houston Astros in Detroit. And now it's like it's still everywhere from that. It's kind of like when Tom Brady left and went to whatever he went. I don't follow football either, as you can tell. Like, there was so many crossover fans. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we've made it through an hour, and you said you got to watch the clock here. I and we, have minutes, so I we, we haven't even really, like, hit on the show at all. Like, yeah. let, let's talk about the show a little bit. I just I watched the Season 3 recap, and I got to say, me and my son have a wrestling podcast where we, we watch – old uh we watch old wrestling matches it's called the tables ladders and gimmicks podcast if you guys want to if you guys want to check that out so we do like watch alongs and we do our own own commentary for the match but you got to get in there in the ring a little bit and also saw you spoke about mma earlier you know you did some ice skating did some mma i'm gonna put you on the spot I won't t- ask for your absolute favorite, but like, give me your top three other lines of work that you've done in the past three seasons, other than fishing. That's the other question I can never answer the same every time because it's so. The WWE wrestling one was amazing. Like, we got to go out with Zach Gowen, the the first um, amputee wrestler, um, I think the only still amputee wrestler in WWE, uh, and I got to do a legit wrestling match. It was super cool. I broke two ribs in that match. Um, I found out getting hit by chairs is real. And when I asked him to hit me with a chair, I didn't like, we didn't practice it. He didn't prep me. He just said, don't move. And of course I moved, I turned and hit me in the ribs and it broke two ribs. Um, but wrestling was amazing. Uh, I can't pick two favorite ones, but I will tell or three favorite ones, but I'll tell you three of my favorite ones. Um, the WWE wrestling one is up there for sure. The uh, figure skating episode. I've played hockey my entire life. 35 years. I've been on skates. Um, I'm a pretty decent skater figure skating was very different and I got to do throws and toss this girl up in the air. She's amazing. It was, it was so much fun. Um, that was a great one. 
Um, the NASCAR one that I did a couple years ago was probably in my top three as well. Um, I got to go out with the rookie of the year NASCAR driver film on the track. They treated us like royalty at the NASCAR race. We were the first fishing show to ever have licensing from NASCAR to be able to film on the track during a race. Um, I got to sign my name on the checkered flag on the track. Um, that was a, I got to learn how to race from the race car driver. We, get, we went head to head on a dirt track and it was the terribly painful. and It was amazing at the same time. Um, I got to go up in a 1947 seaplane and fish out of a seaplane. Um, I mean, there's so many cool things I've got, like, I'm so lucky with my career. Like this could have gone so many different ways. And I got like, I got to play hockey with a pro hockey player and I've played my whole life and never I've played, like I've had like famous ex red wings and stuff play with us and stuff here and there, but I've never gotten to play like against a pro player. So that was super amazing for me. Um, I mean, we had a famous comedian on that I'm a huge fan of that. I couldn't, I still can't believe me and him are like really close friends now. Um, it's just the people I've gotten to film with, even like the UFC fighter. I did mixed martial arts for 11 years and I fought on the pro level and the amateur level. And I never got to like, it's been 12 years since I've gotten to like train at all or anything. I got to go in the cage with like a, a top of like level fighter. And it was just so humbling and so cool. So, and it's hard to pick. Uh, I will say this though, this season um, are some of my favorite episodes and not to say anything bad about our past guests. Cause we've had some amazing guests, amazing episodes, but now that we're filming for, um, oh, I almost gave it away. We're filming for another network. Now. That was really close. You almost, you almost gave it out. Did. So we've been trying to get on this new network for a long, like literally years. Um, and then the last six months or so has just been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And we finally got it, but I can't announce it yet, but we've been filming this whole season expecting that we were going to get approved because like i said earlier i don't give up i i fight hard i push hard if i want something i give it 190 percent. so i i just put my sights on that we were going to do it and i planned on it so this year we've been filming very differently my camera crew now has four people in it instead of two um we haven't we hired like all new people for everything like we have like it's such a massive production now and so this year the episodes have been like just incredible like the way they're being filmed the way that we're putting it all together and i do 90 percent of the work and seeing it all come together has been incredible so this year we've had a country singer that's on the voice right now or actually sorry she just got eliminated yesterday or two days ago on the voice um, but she was on the voice currently up until two days ago um we filmed with her and her last name is bass and we filmed on bass lake on the bass squad hunter show like it was just super cool and she's a rock star she's amazing uh, we filmed with brooke fletcher who was uh, miss georgia a few years back um and she's just an amazing sports uh, commentator. She's a host of a sports show on Valley Sports. And I got to do with a day in the life of, uh, of what she does, like hair and makeup, like teleprompter reads, like yeah, live bro, on I the saw air. you getting your makeup, dude. Dude, it was cool as heck. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, I loved it. I was like, this is the coolest. Like, I got pampered. You shouldn't be I got so excited camera. about that, getting your makeup done. But man. I'll tell you what, though. As a man, we don't get to do that stuff. You know what I mean? So having someone give me a facial massage so my face looked better on camera and someone making sure I had no reflections, like, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty. I got to lay in a massage chair for a half hour. I got, like, drinks and stuff. Like, everything was, like, catered to me. Like, I got to be a celebrity for like three hours and it was one of the coolest experiences because I get to see like the reason why it was so cool though. I took this girl fishing for her first time. Like she's never been in a kayak. She's never fished. Got her on her first fish in a kayak. It was super cool. And then, and she was so confident. Like this girl was an absolute, like, I can't say the swear word, but the, a bad a word on, on the water. Like she was incredible. You can say swear words on here. You can say ass. I can say badass. Okay, she was a complete. Yeah. Badass. Okay. We done said douche caboose. Like, I ain't no, ain't no worse than badass. Yeah, it's a of a bitch early. Guy, a douche. It's different. So, <laughs> uh, 
anyway, so she was a badass on the water. And she was so confident. And I was like, damn, like this girl was like, she was like talking trash to me before she even caught a fish. And I was like, damn, all right. So we get in her world and in this, you know, live TV studio with like 15 crew members and these camera booms coming in and like this crazy setup. And I was like, you know, that was such, that was a, such a cool experience. Like, I didn't want to leave. I was in Chicago at the United Center where the um, Chicago Bulls play and the um, Chicago Blackhawks play and being treated like I was a celebrity in that place. Like we had security. Like it was just it was amazing. Um, so like that was an amazing episode. So between those two, that was incredible. Then we just filmed with a dairy farm two days ago where I got to be a dairy farmer for a day. And I was like, how cool is this? Like I got to hang out with cows all day. I got to like do farm work and clean up manure, drive tractors, like just things that I don't get to do normally. So to pick a favorite three episodes is such a hard thing for me to do because every episode is so unique and so fun. And it just gets me out of my comfort zone and it teaches me how these industries really work. But me and every guest have one thing in common, and that's that we all chased our dreams. We're all doing what makes us happy. We're all doing something that isn't the traditional nine to five. None of my guests work in an office building all day on a computer. They're all like musicians or artists or, you know, dairy farmers even who gets up every day and takes care of, you know, 50 to 60 dairy cows and makes milk and ice cream and, you know, provides something really valuable to the community. And it's just such a cool, like, if I could do a show that was, 90% of that stuff and 10% of doing like pay it forward stuff, no fishing. I would still do that hundred percent. Like fishing is so secondary to me now compared to like getting to experience these other things because meeting someone different than you and learning from them and being like being them for a day, like learning what they do for their job is like one of the coolest eye opening experiences I've ever had in my life. And I've been doing it for five years now and it's still, I get so excited. We're filming a barbecue smoking, competitive barbecue and smoking segment in a couple of days. And I'm super excited about it. And there's no reason why it's just like, I get to do something different every single time. It's so much fun. I, and I gotta tell you, speak for yourself, dude, I exfoliate and I moisturize on a daily basis. Like you don't get this healthy glow if you don't do a little self-care every once in a while because i have my feet on camera because i wear sandals i'm a, a lot walking wear, like, freaking callus <laughs> that's serious like my so this is super weird i've never mentioned this on a podcast in my life not even my podcast i used to get like super personal on like i grew up think like <laughs> this is so funny i'm gonna say this on a podcast my dad's feet are disgusting i grew up like literally being like so grossed out by that where like when i got older i was like i never want to look like that like it just looks so gross so like i'm like i want to make sure that i take care of myself so i started getting pedicures and my feet are on camera a lot of times so i'm like i want to make sure that i don't look like that like i don't want my feet to look discolored and like look like alligator skin like that's terrible so like I get pedicures and I love it. And every time I go to get one, everyone's like, I wish my husband would do that. I wish my boyfriend would do that. And I'm like, yeah, because it's, it's not bad. Like I don't get makeup done ever. Like that was the first time and only time that would probably ever happened. But being pampered is super cool as a man. Cause we don't get that. Like we don't get to do that openly. You know what I mean? So like, I hope you do do skincare for your stuff. Cause you have no hair. You need to take care of that. You know, it's, it's moisturized. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice and soft and supple. Hey, I, Mike, I feel you on the on the feet thing. You know, one of my favorite uh, comedy lines or, or jokes from a comedian was Ralphie May, and he talks about wearing flip flops. And he says the reason men don't shouldn't wear flip flops is because we don't take care of our feet. Toenails looking like dip sized Fritos, and our ankles looking like we're wearing turkey jerky socks. People need to take care of themselves, man. Take care of your nasty feet. We talk about feet a lot on this we podcast do, do. as well. No, we went from food 
to board games for kids, to fishing, to motivational speeches, to relationships. Oh, to it's sweet. Hey, that's what makes this. Podcast. That's about right. That's about right. We have this we little mascot right here because everyone on my podcast always used to say squirrel whenever I would go off topic because I have squirrel syndrome, they called it, where I would like be like a dog when I see a squirrel, just go squirrel, and then just completely be lost. And I always go off on these, like, I call them roadmap conversations where the conversation just starts going like, you know, like everywhere, like a roadmap. And uh, somehow it comes back to making sense somehow. But that's, I, that's why I like your podcast, man, because that's why I feel like this is. Like, we go on, like, the weirdest tangents. But it's real, though, you know? Like, we didn't talk mm-hmm. beforehand. We didn't have a conversation oh. about what the topics were, what the questions were. We Look, just started we talking tried, about food in Texas. We tried doing um, scripted and organized podcasts, and they just weren't They weren't. <laughs> Three episodes worth, and that was it. Like, first three episodes are horrible. I don't script my show either. People, my, my guests are always surprised. Like, even the dairy farmer we just had, he was so surprised. They're like, wait a minute, everything's real? I'm like, yeah, we don't fake anything. We fish on public waters. We film on public lakes. We don't go out three days in a row to film. We film one time. If we skunk, we skunk. Like, we, it's a real, like, I'm taking you fishing for your first time and teaching you how to use a fishing reel and how to use a bait. And it's real. If you catch seaweed, sticks, if you flip over, uh, which no one's done, knock on wood. Um, Didn't you skunk with the NASCAR guy? Uh, maybe. That was like three or four years ago. We skunked with a DNR biologist last year. Um, we skunked with uh, the – we had a West Michigan episode a year or two ago with the sand dunes and everything. Uh, where we doom bugging the sand dunes afterwards. We skunked on that one. Um, I don't mind posting skunk videos. What's that? You just can't always catch fish. You know? No, and it's real, though, because when people see my show, I want you to see what it's like to be in my life for a day, like being fishing for a day. And a real day of fishing isn't going to a stocked lake and pulling out hogs like you see on a lot of fishing shows. That's not realistic. I don't want people to get into the sport of fishing. You know, my viewers, most of them are new fishermen. That's what I'm catering to. And I don't want you to go try fishing for the first time and you go, well, I didn't have as good a time as he had, and I didn't catch fish like he did, so I'm not, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. I want you to go man, fishing looks tough, but it, look how fun it was, though. Like, they had fun. Like, what inspired me to do my show in the beginning, what inspired me to fish ever was Bill Dance, is watching Bill Dance have fun, not him catch fish. I can't even tell you if I ever even saw Bill Dance catch a big bass or not. I, I honestly don't know, because I just like that he made it fun. Like, he always made fishing entertaining, exciting, and fun, whether a fish got caught or not. And that's kind of where my show got molded from, that's how my whole fishing career, my, since I was a kid, I fished for fun. I never cared if I caught fish. Like, none of my family fishes. None of my friends fished. I just did it on my own because I wanted to get away by myself and not have to have a team. You know, I played team sports my whole life. You need a whole team to play a sport. Fishing, you don't. You just need yourself. And you can fish with a string. You could fish with a beer can and fishing line. Like, the fish don't care. Like, they don't care what you have or what you look like or what kind of, you know, expensive brand stuff you have. They could care less. Like, they don't care what boat you have or what reels you have. You can get by with a stick and a string and a piece of chicken and catch every fish that you can with a lure. And I loved that about fishing. So making my show, I wanted to make sure it was real. So, like, my guests are always so surprised where, they're like, we put in everything. We, we don't fake it. If you don't catch a fish, we don't get a fish. If our guest doesn't get a fish and I do, that sucks. But that's what happens. Or if my guest gets a fish and I don't. That's what happens. And then I go in their world. And if I break my ribs and wrestling, that's real. We don't go refilm it. Like I got hurt. It is what it is. If I wipe out figure skating, we're putting in the episode because that's really what it's like learning how to figure skate. Um, you know, if I, if I do something bad in an episode, like I fail at something, we get excited. Cause I'm like, good, it's real. Like I want people to see that. 
Because if you want to go try out any of the sports that we have or any of the other professions we show in our show, like uh, radio host or sports commentator, comedian or wrestler, UFC fighter, whatever, if you want to try one of those activities for the first time, you can watch my show and get an idea of what it will happen. Like if it's good or bad, like if, you know, we show it real, we don't film twice. We do it once and get the real reactions, the real first time. I usually don't meet my guests ever um, until we film on purpose. That way I have an original reaction. Like we have a natural chemistry or not, and it's real. And we try to do everything as raw as possible. Um, so that way it's people can relate to it. You know, that's the biggest thing is people can watch my show and feel like they know me already because it's real. And that's, that's the whole point behind it. So I like, I like to ask these questions that you probably don't have a good one time answer for, but okay. So you've been able to do all of these things. Um, you're talking about dairy farmer, you talked about pro hockey. Um, so what have, I mean, because you seem like you're pretty coordinated, you, you, you can talk well, like you can verbalize stuff. You got some agility. If you got some determination, if you were a former like MMA fighter and stuff like that, what have you done on your show where you're just like, I really, really suck at this. Like I am not good at whatever this person is doing. Like I could never in my life do this. I suck. Is there anything that sticks out to you that you just felt, you know, either really intimidated by, or you were just like, I, I'm, I'm not as good as that person at all. And I don't think I'll ever be like that. Well, almost everything. I don't think I'm going to be as good as a person doing it. Um, and I'm honestly intimidated by almost everything I try, but I'm excited at the same time. I've always been one of those guys that are like, I can get good at anything pretty quickly, but I can't get great at it, but I can get like, I can hold my own. Um, and luckily I've done so much in my life where like I've done mixed martial arts, I've played hockey, um, like I, I've wrestled, like I've done stuff like that where like it kind of prepares me for some of these things. So I'm not going in completely blind. I'm going in with with some experience, but some of the things like the, the Bally sports show, I was on a live nationwide live sports show. I was so nervous. I was freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, what if I say something wrong? It's live. Like you can't take it back. Like, what if I flub something and I nailed it? Luckily, and everyone's like, "Wow, you were so natural!" And I was like, "I was like about to pass out, like I was pouring sweat." Um, when I did the radio host, I was on a, a really famous morning show. It's the longest running morning show in Michigan history right now. It's 25 years, I think. Huge radio show. I've been listening to it for 20 years. I got to be on the show for the first time and meet the guy and everything like that. I was super nervous, but I nailed it. And I, afterwards, everyone's like, "Man, you were so good. You were so natural." I was like, "I don't even know what happened. I blacked out. Like, was it good? Like, I don't know what I said." <laughs> but like, I get nervous about all these things. Like the wrestling one. Like, if you watch the raw footage, like it took us like a half hour of me learning how to fall correctly. And I've done that. Like, I know how to break fall. I, I've done that in wrestling. Like, I know how to do that part, but I couldn't get it because. I was around professionals like I was nervous and I think that's kind of the exciting part for me too is I get around these guys like I did a tattoo artist episode where the tattoo artist has been I mean he did most of my tattoos like I've known him for a while we've fished together even um, I met him kayak fishing actually he taught me how to do a tattoo and I tattooed a Sasquatch on his leg and I'm not joking I was pouring sweat like I had to take breaks because I was getting dizzy because I was so scared I'm like dude I'm permanently putting a Sasquatch on your leg like I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never held a tattoo gun before. Like, you can't undo this. And I was freaking out. And when I was done, I was like, <sighs> I was like, dude, don't ever let me do that again. Like, he's asked me to come over and do more work on the Sasquatch and finish it more. And I was like, dude, I, don't, I can't go through it again, man. That was so scary. Like, 
stuff like that is terrifying to me. Um, so like almost everything I do scares me, but then I get really excited. Like once I start doing it, I don't want to leave. Um, like the, the NASCAR driving, like I wanted to race with that guy for days. Like, you know, me and him still talk and I'm like, dude, I want to come race with you again. Like I, I got addicted to it. The wrestling thing. I almost joined the wrestling school that we filmed at because I wanted to do it more. Like it was so much fun, but going into it, I was scared. The figure skating, I tried buying a pair of figure skates off of one of the figure skaters I was filmed with because I'm like, I want to do this more. Like, it was so much fun once I learned the mechanics of it. So, even the dairy farmer, he invited me to come back and work on the farm next week. And I was like, dude, don't ask me because I might show up. Like, this is actually kind of fun. Like, well, he probably seriously just wanted your help. He's like, no, really, c come back. We, we need some help here. Yeah. But it's not hard work, it's just a lot of work. And like, Someone like me, like I'm super hyper. Like I, I love staying busy. I have a lot of hobbies. Um, like I've been on bowling teams for 12, 13 years. I, I go to the batting cages like a couple times a week. I go to the driving range for golf. Like I love having hobbies. I play hockey twice a week. Um, I love having hobbies. I love trying new things. I love exploring new things, but I hate being bad at things. So like when I get into something, I go in 150% because I want to be as good as I can right away. I don't like being terrible at something. So when I do these episodes, I don't practice. Like before I did the hockey episode, I didn't prepare for it. Before I did the WWE wrestling, like I don't train for these things. I purposely want to go in blind. I, I go in without knowing anything. I go in without meeting the guest usually. Like my tattoo artist I knew beforehand. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Almost every other guest I've had, I've never met until we filmed. So the first time we filmed together, which is usually fishing if it gets filmed first, that's the first time I meet them, like a stranger, like I meet some random stranger that I've never met before. I teach them how to get in a kayak, how to use a kayak, how to hold a fishing rod, how to use a bait, how to manage fish, everything. And then we become friends after two days of filming usually. So like, I, I don't know if there's any episode I've ever been super comfortable going into. Um, even if it's hockey, you know, hockey's like second nature to me. Um, I was nervous to meet the professional hockey player and drive out to go film there and like, I was scared to film against him or play hockey against him. So every episode makes me nervous, but every episode gets me really excited to try something new. And almost every thing I've done on my show, I get addicted to wanting to do again. Like I, I want to do it more. And a lot of th times I've done it more. Like I've done it multiple times that since then, um, like the bowling episode I've, I was on a bowling league for 12 years and I quit bowling for five years now after the bowling episode, I got all brand new gear. Now I got new bowling balls, new shoes. Like I got really into it again. And I went bowling like 30 times in a row. Like I just kept on going. I got addicted to it again. So like, if anything, this, this show gets people addicted to fishing. A lot of my guests end up buying kayaks afterwards, even if it's the first time they end up buying kayaks afterwards. They end up wanting to go fishing with me. I have a few guests I've taken fishing multiple times afterwards again, because they just fell in love with it. But then I do the same thing where I fall in love with their sports too. And it's because we're around passionate people. Like I'm around other professionals that either quit their job to follow their dreams or never got a real job and just chase their dreams from the start. And it's their passion is contagious, just like mine is. So I encourage them to go fishing more because it's just contagious. And then they encourage me to do whatever they do because they're very passionate. So it's a really cool format. Like it's so much fun what we do. It's and it's 100% real. Like everything is 100% raw. Man, I ramble a lot. Sorry. No, you're, you're in a straight you, line, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're good. We didn't get off topic, and we didn't talk about anything else right there. I just we, go though. That was a straight answer. Answer question. Go there. We go. Um. So I walked in the room. I saw her out of the corner of my eye over here, and she walked in the room. And I saw her just look at me, and she's like, "Oh, he's talking," and she just walked out. <laughs> I think she knows. She's like, "It'll be, it'll be a while."
it shouldn't be too much longer. Actually, we're going to probably let you, uh, you know, talk a little bit longer. And as we're already an hour and a half into this pretty much. Oh, wow. Yeah. You said that you were, you were, uh, going to need to head out around eight 30 your time. It's seven. Yeah. Yeah. I got to leave in about 25 minutes. Standard. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, what, what we usually like to do, you know, to wrap things up with our guests is, you know, really highlight the um, where people can find you and what can they expect whenever they reach out to you. Um, you know, I'm sure nobody's going to try and reach out to you to take so you that you can take them fishing. But uh, I'm sure they will. I trust me. I get. Do you really? I, I took uh, so I work with over 600 kids a summer. Um, I do all the kids camps out here for fishing. I teach all the kids how to fish out here. Um, and, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And I literally had after the last kids camp we did, I had like 13 families reach out to me that couldn't make the camps or that made the camps and their kids were like so obsessed with it afterwards that they want to do it again. I took them out one on one 13 days in a row. Um, I took out families one on one out kayak fishing. I have four kayaks that are all pedal drives. So I took out, I told them, I'm like, you have three spots. I have four kayaks. So two kids and a parent or two parents and a kid or one kid and a parent. Some of the kids were old enough where they just dropped their kids off to me, which was crazy to me, but they're like, Hey, here's my kid. We'll be back in three hours. I'm like, all right, bye. Um, (laughs) Mama's like, I'm going shopping. (laughs) Yeah. It was just cool though. Like I love taking kids fishing. Like it's so much fun for me. I like kids more than adults. So I just, I love hanging out with kids. Kids are just more innocent and not vindictive and there's no stress. Like they just want to have fun. Oh, they're vindictive and they're spiteful. Yeah. But it's a different level. (laughs) It's different level. It's not like malicious warfare, like as bad as adults are. So, um, I took out 13 kids in a row, like 13 days in a row. And I would have done more if I had time, but then filming started again. So I had, I have two weeks off a year pretty much. And that was my two weeks off. I spent every single day taking kids fishing. I get messages probably three a week. Um, it's probably a good average that I could say where I get people like, Hey, I would love to go fishing with you. Or, Hey, my son would love to go fishing. With you. He's a huge fan of yours. And, um, I was at McDonald's getting my girlfriend breakfast this morning. And the, the lady was telling me like, Oh, Hey, it's you. Hey, like my son's a huge fan of yours and blah, blah. So like, it does happen a lot, but, and I love taking, I take people fishing as much as I can. Like I say yes all the time, which is I, my biggest problem is I shouldn't say yes all the time because I don't have time to do it. Um, but I, I love sharing what I do. So, People can reach out to me all they want. Um, if I have free time, I will take you fishing. Um, it's free. I never charge anybody anything. I give you baits. I give you everything you need. Usually, you could take the baits home with you. So if you want free baits, come out fishing with me. What um, What area of Michigan are you in? Um, I am in. Uh, I'm in West Bloomfield, Michigan, which is about 40 minutes north of Detroit. I'm in the the most water congested area in the state, actually. So there's 25 lakes within 20 minutes of my house. There's four lakes in my neighborhood. West like every road in my field. Yeah. So if you, are you looking at a map right now? West Boomfield township. So look at a map and look how many blue spots there are. Like everything in me around me is lakes. Every road goes around a lake. Every road is a lake name. Like everything is lakes. Dude, you are. Okay. So you are not very far from where I go like yearly. Oh, really? Uh, where at? vacation in lakeside marblehead ohio oh okay um and I, sometimes i go to go hit up toledo and fish the mommy river yeah dude mommy river is like an hour and a half from me hour and a half south <laughs> i should have i should have called you uh this last summer said hey man come fly fishing with me in, in the mommy dude next time i've so i've never fly fished and one of my sponsors has a fly fishing company underneath their umbrella 
Um, they have like nine brands that are all the biggest brands in fishing underneath their umbrella. Um, oh, he's have, also a pure fishing uh, guy, by the way. Oh, are you guys? Do you guys work with pure fishing? They are. Well, they're one of our larger sponsors. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I work with pure fishing. So they have a fly fishing company under their umbrella. So I've been like, I've been thinking about it. I was like, you know, cause like they have everything. Like my ice fishing stuff is all like Fraybill and Plano and you know, they have ice fishing stuff. Then Fenwick rods for ice fishing rods and stuff like that. Um, the Fluger rods are awesome. The ugly stick rods for ice fishing. Um, and then they have like, you know, obviously Berkeley, Abra Garcia and Shakespeare for all the kids rods I give out and stuff are all Shakespeare and ugly stick. Um, I donated uh, 50 Shakespeare rods to the kids camp this year, actually. So the camp got all the brand new rods for all the kids. So either way, uh, they ha they have a fly fishing company. And I, and I was like, you know, maybe I should start fly fishing because I have access to fly fishing stuff. Like I've never done it. I, I know the mechanics of it. I understand how it works, but I've never done it. And there's beautiful river systems in Michigan um, and lots of like trout and lots of cool stuff up here. So like, fly fishing is something I need to do soon. Like I definitely want to do it. It's probably a pretty good um bridge you know for you to gap during those times when kayak fishing is probably not the best thing to do um and you can get out there and and you know wade a river that's you know because rivers when you have flowing water your water is not going to freeze up yeah and you don't have to go ice fishing in a river yeah, um, you can actually oh, you wade can do the it in the winter time. A lot of guys do that for salmon and trout up here. It'll be frozen everywhere else, and they'll be in the rivers doing yep. trout and salmon and stuff. So, like, yeah. I, would, I would love to do that. Next time you come up, let me know. Or if you want to come up here in the winter, man, I'll take you guys ice fishing too. I don't know if I'll do mm. that. Trust me, everyone says mm. I hated ice fishing up until like two years ago. Like, dead serious. I used to go once a year for an episode, and that was it. And I was like, I used to drag my kayaks on the ice and fish through the sonar pod in the, in the middle of the kayak where the pedal drives go and stuff. I'd fish through the middle just so I get the kayaks on the water or on the ice because I was just like, I hate ice fishing. It's boring. When I got all new ice fishing gear two years ago and I started taking it more seriously, I went out like 40 times last year. I was catching like 45-inch northern pike out of the ice. I was catching bass left and right. I was pulling out master angler crappie and perch. And like you go to like Lake St. Clair in the wintertime and you put a drone up like 100 feet, you can see like 650 anglers. It looks like Swiss cheese on the ice. And it's just such a cool environment. So now I'm like... Like I have a buddy who brings out a little portable deep fryer and he'll catch pike and fillet them and put them in the deep fryer and eat pike while we're fishing for pike. Like it's such a cool experience. So now I'm like, now I'm like getting really big into like I've already got, I just got a big Plano order the other day of all new ice fishing stuff and accessories. And I, I'm building my ice fishing stuff up again. And uh, they have a new ice fishing travel box that they came out with for, for rods. It holds like six rods with the reels on it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm getting that um, new ugly stick combos that came out. I got those. So, uh, this year, I'm planning like three northern Michigan trips for ice fishing. I'm planning uh, a couple of west Michigan trips for ice fishing. I'm hoping to go to Minnesota. They they have a thing. I call it tunnel fishing, but they drill a hole that's like 30 inches in the ice. So you have to put extensions on your augers, and you drill a hole so deep in the ice to get fresh water that you're pulling fish out through like an ice tunnel. Like they freeze almost on their way up. It's so deep. It's super cool. I've always wanted to experience that. They fish out of RVs where the floor opens up, and they just fish out of the floor. It's so, it's so cold. <laughs> Like I want to go out there so bad. We have we have had some um, some invites to do some ice fishing. Uh, we've got some listeners that are in Alberta. And oh, they, gee, that's real ice fishing. Yeah, and they've uh, invited us out to do some ice fishing out there. Um, again, some listeners that are in uh, the Pennsylvania area and uh, Ohio area that that have invited us to do some uh, ice fishing. So you're not the first one that's invited us to do some ice fishing and we've tossed it around as far as an idea for a show. 
You, yeah. I was going to say, I thought you said we've tossed it around about going up there. I'm like, you've tossed yeah. it around about well, going up there. My, you need a comment. My wife's family's from Ohio, or she's from Ohio. She She's uh, an implant. And uh, so that's where I get my vacation time is going and visiting her family. But anyway. Um, well, next time you go up there, like, seriously, reach out to me. I'd love to have you up here. I, I need to. Oh, I didn't realize you, you were that close. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize you were Mom, that close. Man. Mommy River has a, there's like a really cool science museum right there. That, like, I love going to that one. Um, I'm like a nerd with science stuff. So, like, I love the mommy. The, um, I forgot what they called it, but it's the science museum right there. I just and love then, that it uh, has carp. Yes. Um, the Mommy River. Was it the Mommy River? I think it's the Mommy River. Has a, like, it branches off into a smaller river, like, right somewhere by Toledo right there. Do you know? Uh, yeah, I do know, but I don't remember what it's called. It's like that smaller one right there. There used to be a kayak shop on it back in the day. It closed a few years ago. And uh, supposedly the fishing right there is absolutely amazing. Like absolutely amazing. I've never fished it before. I want to say it's called like the Hollywood or the star something. I don't, I don't know. It's I don't know. Like, it was like a small little branch off. And supposedly yeah. that spot of the mommy river was supposed to be like killer, like amazing. But anyway, not to get too, too sidetracked here, but uh, you guys can message me uh, and ask to go fishing. I'd love to take you guys. But you can find me on uh, the Basquatch Hunter um, on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, everything. Um, Instagram and Facebook are the two biggest ones that we use. Um, and then YouTube, obviously, we post all our behind-the-scenes stuff and vlogs and like little how-to videos and little fun trips we do. Um, and then the full episodes get posted on YouTube after they air on cable. Um, we air a full season on cable on uh, the Pursuit Channel, which is on streaming. Um, it's also on, if you have said, I just found this out recently, and I feel dumb for not knowing this, but there's a thing called Fast Channels. If you have a Samsung Smart TV um, made in the last like two or three years, if you go on the homepage, it says Samsung Smart Plus or something like that, you get like free streaming cable on there for free with any Samsung Smart TV. I didn't know about this. Pursuit channels on there for free too. So you can watch my show for free on a Samsung smart TV or Vizio smart TV through their own app. Um, but you can also watch a uh, pursuit channel on any streaming device. They have it on there. Um, we're on there for 26 weeks. Um, so April till September, and then we'll, we're on a new network next year too, uh, which we're going to air six episodes on. And it's an awesome network. It's huge, um, but I can't, it's the biggest network in the country, um, but I can't say what it is yet. Um, uh, but we'll be on there for six weeks. So six of our episodes will be on there too. Um, and we'll be on there on Saturday mornings. Um, and then uh, you can go to basquatchhunter.com and see all of our stuff too. And then don't forget, it's the biggest one right now. You have to go on Kickstarter and check out our board game. And uh, go check out game. So you guys can buy this game on Kickstarter right now. Um, the first edition games are really cool. Um, and you get the first one, and it comes with like an autographed card from me and the illustrator, and even Seth the Sasquatch autographed it somehow. Um, and you get a collector piece if you get one too. Um, but there's a really, really cool game, and, and it's super fun. If you watch the video on there, it's like a cartoon video that we had made, and it's really, really fun. Um, but definitely check that out, and then stay tuned for the children's books. It'll be out soon. Um, and uh, yeah, a bunch of other cool stuff we'll work on right now. Like we have some really cool merchandise stuff coming out that I'm really excited about in the near future. That's all geared towards getting people out fishing and trying something new and uh, getting out of your comfort zone. 
And we do a lot of another thing too. Um, and you can see this on my YouTube channel, but I do a lot of pay it forward stuff. My favorite thing to do. I do like one or two things a week. I just don't film them anymore. Um, but I used to film them all the time. Then I started getting too many haters about it. And I ruined the whole point of it. So I stopped filming them. Um, but we do a lot of pay it forward stuff, um, whether it's buying food at fast food places for people for like a half hour, paying for people's gas at gas stations or going to Walmart and handing out gift cards. Um, we go to restaurants and pay for everyone in the restaurant at, the, at one time. Whenever we save up enough money to do something big, we do something big and just do as many things as we can. Um, and it's something I've always wanted to make a show about. Like I wanted to make a show just doing pay it forward stuff eventually. It might be a spinoff we'll do eventually, but my favorite thing to do. I love changing people's lives and making an impact because it takes this small of a pebble to make a ripple in a big lake. So you can do something small. I've had people that have messaged me on Facebook or I've seen in public in person even where I paid for their food at a drive-thru. I just pay for everyone behind me all the time. And they've messaged me like, man, I had the worst day of my life. Like, thank you so much. And I was like, dude, it was six bucks. Like, of course, like no problem. And they're like, dude, I was like, it changed my whole mood. And I was like, that's why I did it. Like I've had times where like when I got divorced or like, you know, when I've had some really down times in my life where I was like, man, like things got pretty dark, you know, like things got really dark and the simplest gesture or simplest message from somebody like pulled me out of it, like completely changed my life. Um, catching a fish sometimes just gets me out of my depression or out of my phone. So stabbing wildlife in the mouth is usually a pretty good go-to. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I get relaxation. Sometimes I'll go to my kayak and not even fish. Um, I'll bring a rod with me cause I can't do it without a fishing rod, but like I'll go out there and just float sometimes. I'll let the wind just take me across the lake. And by the time I get from one end to the other, you forget about whatever's going on in the world because when you're in a kayak, especially versus a boat, you're this close to the water. You can like feel the the force of the wind and the waves and you could go on the same lake every single day and it'll never be the same twice. Like the water is always moving. Everything's always changing. Everything's evolving. You'll see different scenery, people walking outside, like something happens different every single day. It's an adventure no matter what you do, whether you catch a fish or not, it's an adventure. And that alone is is. I know it saved my life multiple times. And I know, you know, a lot of charity stuff I work with where I know a lot of people who have literally like been at the end of the rope and they've saved their life by going out fishing, not catching fish, but fishing and You're, getting sorry, out there is a huge deal. So the first step is just doing that. You know, the first step of anything you want to do that's being successful is just taking the jump, doing it, get on the water, chase your dreams, um, give up your job. that makes you miserable for something that might make less money, but makes you happy. And in the end, it'll work out way better that way. If you're happy, you'll put more into it. So it, it'll always be more successful if it's something you love. So I always tell everybody, take that jump, take that risk. If you think you're going to fail, who cares? Like you don't learn how to fight by winning. You learn how to fight by getting punched in the mouth and realizing it sucks. You know, like that's how you learn. So sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, I was interrupting you. Uh, oh, Drew, sorry, have, we'll have you ever gone out fishing and like had a day where you just thought about shitty things all the time while you were out on the water? No, never. Happened. And, and, well, and, and we, we, we've talked about this before on the show and I don't know if everyone agrees with it, but what I like to call kayak fishing is, you know, you're actively engaged and relaxing. Like you, you have to be, you have to be engaged with what you're doing or you're gonna, you know, you could flip in the water, you can drop your new rod and reel. Like you have to be paying attention to what you're doing but you can also not be paying attention to anything like it's 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 a weird kind of world where 
you, you have to be thinking about everything that you're doing to make sure that you enjoy it, but you also don't have to do anything to enjoy it. If that, if that makes any sense, the people who are, you know, get out there and get on the water a lot, know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's, it's definitely something you have to engage in that takes your mind away from everything else. Well, to quote one of my original mentors, Mr. Roberto field, um, he told me in the very beginning, oh, my that, he told me in the very beginning that, uh, kayak fishing was a very organized chaos and that always stuck with me. And I, I repeat that all the time now because it's the most active description of being in a kayak. And when I take guests out that have never fished before, I, I forget this all the time. I'm like, I'm teaching you how to use a kayak, how to use a pedal drive, how to steer a rudder how to not to fall out of it. You can't flip them, but you can fall out of them. But I'm also teaching you how to use a fishing rod and how to catch a fish and how to manage a fish and not hook yourself. And then on top of that, you're trying to like take all this in your first time. Then there's water and waves and wind and like all these other, like it's like this crazy chaotic moment, but somehow it's organized, you know, like it's just, it just mm -hmm. fits. And then once you get the hang of it within like a few minutes, you catch your first fish and realize like, Oh, I have a rod holder that goes right here. So the rod doesn't go in the water. And I have like, you know, a phone mount right here. So my phone's out of the way. Like everything's organized somewhat. Then everything becomes peaceful and everything is like, okay, everything's got its place. And it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like by being so chaotic that you're forced to accept everything around you as it is. Like mm -hmm. once you're on the water, you're on the water. You can't turn around and fly back to the launch really quick. Like once you commit to going out kayak fishing, like you become like, you're on a journey. Like you're just, you're out for as long as you're going to be out. Uh, if you have a bad day and drop things in the water, flip over, anything happens, it's going to happen. If you have a great day and everything works perfectly and you catch big fish, it's going to happen. But either way, once you get out there, it's like, it's like being on a roller coaster, an airplane or a train, or once you get in, you're strapped in. Now you're on for the ride. Now you're just going. And, uh, it's very, very, very hard to be negative when there's so many things around you that are distracting you and taking your attention. And that's what drew me to kayak fishing in the first place too, is, all my stresses and all my depression and anxiety and all the things that I've carried my whole life. Like I've had terrible depression and anxiety my whole life. And I always find outlets. That's why I try to find so many hobbies all the time. And I always do so much, but fishing has been one of those things where like fishing is not my favorite sport in the world. Like it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. Like it's not, but it's by far one of the most, like it's like going to the gun range. Like it's, it's one of those therapeutic things that everything disappears for that short period of time that when you're done, you're like, huh, what was I even thinking about before? Like, was I mad before? Like, was I upset about something? Like, I don't even remember because I was so distracted about organizing my kayak and not flipping or not dropping this or what do I do with this or that? And it's cool because when you're new to the sport, it's like, it's like it, the only thing I can compare it to, and, and I'm guessing here because I've never been in the situation, but I compare it to what people say when they find religion for the first time um, or when they become sober for the first time. Like, that's what I like. And, and I know it's kind of dramatic, but I'm serious. Like, getting into fishing and especially kayak fishing where you're just like so close to nature and so connected. Like, it's just like one of those moments where when you're like, when you're done for the day with it, you're just like, man, like, all right. Like my brain is clear. My body's clear. Like everything is just refreshed no matter what kind of day you have in the water, because it's just so distracting. Like it pulls every sense, your sense of smell, taste, touch, everything is like all activated. But at the same time, it's peaceful. It's like the craziest thing to explain to people unless you tried it. And, and I encourage everybody out there to try it at least once and just see what it's all about. Even if it's not for you, I've had guests who are like, I had a, a six foot tall, six foot five, 300 pound guy who was afraid to get dirty, afraid to get wet, afraid of fish. 
and he fell in love with kayak fishing, even though he hates fishing, but he fell in love with the, the, the idea of it because he's like, wait a minute, this is actually really nice. This is so peaceful. This is so nice compared to my normal nine to five or not nine to five, but he's a radio host. So compared to the normal grind every day, he goes, I understand it now. Like I get it. Like, I don't want to do it anymore because I don't like fish. I'm scared of them, which was super weird, but the episode's hilarious. It's on YouTube. Um, he literally like held his rod away from him like this. It was so funny, but he got it though. Afterwards, he's like, you know what? I get it. Like that was, I didn't expect to even want to be out there that long. Like I thought I was going to want to come in immediately. He's like, that was so nice. He's like, I definitely want to get a kayak now just so I can go. I don't want to fish, but I want to be able to pedal around and just forget everything. He's like, it was just the most peaceful. And he even said it too. He goes, I have severe ADD. Like I was worried I'd be distracted and wouldn't like be able to focus. He's like, I am forced to be focused because I am so distracted. And I was like, exactly. That's exactly like as crazy as that sounds. That's exactly what it does to you. Like you're so, you're so forced to pay attention to everything. Like you said, like you got to make sure you don't fall or drop things off or flip over or trip over something or not run into a stump or like you got to pay attention so much that you almost forget about anything else. Like you don't pay attention to anything else. You know, it's, it's amazing. That's how we forget time. Like as fishermen, we say last cast and it lasts three hours. And that's why, because you just forget, like you just lose track of time. You're like, Oh, I said last cast two hours ago. And then your wife says, what? You don't love me no more. And you say no, because fishing's more fun. I'm joking. <laughs> like, hey, fish, don't complain. You know, this is, this is one of those guests and one of those, um, those connections here that we make on this show that we know we can have multiple episodes um, oh yeah, so, a lot of podcasts have me on for like a three-part series about certain things because I just I just go. So well, there's there's ton of information. There's, you know, and there are times where Drew and I have um, different episodes, but about the same thing, and it's yep. generally how much we love kayak fishing and how much we love fishing and how much we love being in the outdoors and how much we love you know gadgets, tacos, yeah. Tacos. And, and tacos. There are some things that always pop up. Tacos is one of them. Marsh dumps is also another one. We talk about pooping a lot on this show. <laughs> I was wait. We almost made it through the whole episode until you brought up poop. We, I've got three we, minutes on that note. So. We were really, really, really close. Golly. Well, with, with with the three minutes we have left, you know, you talked about uh, working with Pure Fishing. You talked about working with Feel Free. Is there anybody else that you work with that you want to give a quick shout out to? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not one to like do like petty shout outs or anything like that, but I definitely will because I love every every brand I work with is literally like family to me. And I just started like a new family relationship with a new one actually too. But uh, um, Yak Attack, I just started working with Yak Attack this year. And, uh, you know, it was a super, I actually haven't talked about this publicly at all. So this is kind of cool. Um, I worked with Yak Gear for seven years. They were like my first, you know, my first paid sponsor. Like I was the face of the Drew company too. for seven years. Yeah. Not for seven years, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, but Robert Field was with Railblaze and Yak here for a long time. That's how mm -hmm. I them, actually he introduced me to them. And uh, they were literally family to me, like literally family, like super close. And uh, they got bought out. And my, my, you know, my beliefs no longer aligned with uh, the new direction. So I decided to make a super tough decision and step away. And it's, and it's, I love that company. They make some great products and, you know, everyone makes products for like, it's just like kayak brands. Like there's no perfect kayak for anybody. It's like, there's, everyone has their own trade-offs that work for them. You know, the, 
their balance and their budget and their storage and hauling everything. And like every kayak brand makes a good kayak, just like every accessory company makes good accessories just for certain people or different things either way. So I went to Yak Attack this year um, because in my mind, the only other company that could fulfill that family atmosphere was a company like Yak Attack, who's, you know, still owned by the original owner. Um, you know, he's still in charge and they make American made products and they make really cool stuff. and They listen to people. That's a really cool thing that drew me to them is they listen to the anglers and listen to people for advice to make new products and they actually make them. They don't say, yeah, that sounds cool. Maybe we'll do that one day. They actually like produce things based off of feedback, which is super important to me. Um, and, I, and I'm a huge guy in long-term relationships. So I started a new one for Yak Attack this year. Really excited about that. They make amazing accessories uh, for kayaks and boats and everything. Um, work with Feel Free, obviously, which is Three Waters Kayaks, Sea Stream Kayaks, um, all that stuff. Um, they're amazing. I love Feel Free Kayaks. Another company that's like family. Like you can call their number, someone answers, and they treat you like they're your brother. Like Feel Free is amazing. Oh, Bones. Yeah, dude. Roland is, dude. He's my boy, man. He was when he was with ACK. Me and him were like, I, I love that guy. Like Roland is one of the like coolest people. If anyone gets a chance to meet Roland, or also known as Bones, um, because he used to be super tall. Well, he still is tall and skinny, but he was even skinnier at one point of his life. Um, one of the coolest people, super talented photographer, like just all around like amazing. Like that's one of my favorite people. If I quit fishing tomorrow and never touch this industry again, he would still be like a super important friend to me. Like such a great guy. Um, but either way, Feel Free is amazing. Um, FX Custom Rods I've been with for six years. I've been with them since the day they started. They were um, they were just a custom rod company in the beginning, and now they you know have you know forty something different models, and you know they sell thousands and thousands and thousands of rods a year now. They're huge. They're awesome brand. Um, super great company. Like some of the best fishing rods I've ever touched in my life for real. Like hundred percent. If I was a customer, that's what I would buy. hundred um, percent. Scales bait attractant. Um, I actually had. I had a bottle in here a second ago. I thought I saw it. Um, Scales bait attractant, super cool. I actually helped develop that product. Um, it's a bait attractant, but it's also a visual attractant. So it's got like this really cool, um, like shimmery powder in it that when you put it on your bait, it looks like scales falling off your bait. So it creates like a little cloud of shimmery magic. So the fish see it from a long distance and it creates like this awesome, like feeding frenzy. Cause they think a fish is wounded or injured and they come after it. Then the scent really gets them to a super strong scent. Um, so scales bait attractant, super cool. Um, then pure fishing, of course, Berkeley and Abu Garcia. I use all Berkeley baits, Berkeley fishing line, Abu Garcia reels. Um, the new Xenon reels are amazing. Um, I love Berkeley stuff and Abu stuff. Um, they got the new Fenor glasses coming out too. Them sunglasses uh, are about to drop. Oh, they're in my truck. I've been wearing those all year. Um, they sent me a couple to test out and those are freaking amazing, dude. Like the, the rubber on the nose piece. So my nose is crooked as heck. I don't know if you guys can tell on camera, my nose has been broken so many times. It's like crazy crooked. There, a lot of my glasses, I usually have to get cheap ones. So they bend or my Oakley's actually fit really well. The new Finnor glasses have a floating rubber nose piece. So like, even though my nose is crooked, the glasses sit straight. It's amazing. Then the ends of the, uh, I don't know what they're called, but the parts that go on your ear, like the arms. Yeah, the little ear pieces. They're soft rubber on the very end. So they flex to your ears. So when you wear a hat, they don't like kill your ears the whole time. Like they're amazing for fishing. And then they have different color lenses for different applications. Like it's, they're, they're really cool. I'm actually so impressed with those glasses. And they have like hundreds of different models too. So the new ones are coming out with are just, I've been using them for almost a full year and they're amazing. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Like, I feel like I need to like look out my window at my trailer. Oh, 
a huge one. That's a new one for me this year too, who I've had a relationship with for two years now. Um, but we just started working together finally this year because I've been working on it forever with them. Um, but the war in Ukraine actually stopped them because um, they're owned by a European company, but it's Amerigas. Amerigas is the largest propane company in the country. Um, and they're also owned by a European energy company. So the war in Ukraine has really messed with them pretty bad. But uh, huge, amazing company. And they literally treat me like family for oh, the last year and a half already. We haven't even signed a contract till this year. So uh, the last year and a half, they treat me like family. And they're such cool people. And I've learned so much about, we're actually doing a propane-based episode coming up this wintertime. But I've learned so much about propane, about how good it is for the environment compared to all the other options out there and how it benefits the environment. It's pretty cool. It's one of the cleanest energy sources. So uh, that's a really cool one, too. That's what I was missing. Uh, but yeah, so either way, check out all the brands that support our show because without those brands and without them supporting the kayak community or the fishing community in general, we wouldn't all be here anyway. Um, it's really important that we all support brands. Um, even like you guys have Mariner Sales up on here. I've met those guys before too and awesome people. Um, you know, Pure Fishing's awesome. Well, like ACK used to be our title sponsor. Yeah, Ace, dude, ACK. So ACK was actually based out of Michigan, 15 minutes away from me. They were bought out by Summit Sports, which was Michigan-based. And I worked, I did their marketing for 10 years. Um, that was part of my, they were one of my clients when I, in my old job. Um, so like, I've known those guys forever. I did all their demos. I did, I did everything for them up here. Um, when they went out, it was terrible, man. They got bought out and closed down on New Year's Eve with no notice, no warning. Marcus Limonis. Yep. Gander Outdoors. Mr. Camping World himself. Well, he didn't do it himself. His his firm bought the company for the website, traffic, whatever, all that stuff, and liquidated the company. And all my friends that worked there for 15, 20 years got fired on New Year's Eve with no notice. It was terrible. But... It, was, it was pretty bad down here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep, it, it was the same way at, at a lot of the stores down here. Yeah, the and stuff like that. store actually was the store I used to go to all the time. Um, I used to go to the, when I came out of Houston all the time. That's where I'd always go. And mm -hmm. when they got shut down, it was the same way. Everyone got no notice and just gone so it's terrible but either way we got to support these brands guys because even companies like amiragas they've never sponsored anybody in the fishing world before they've never advertised in the fishing world before um and by them coming into the fishing world it puts a big spotlight and not like a pinhole spotlight on me or my show but like a big broad spotlight on the sport in general and everybody in it um so it gives everybody an opportunity to be able to have you know new features new sponsors new things to do and the more they see the sport and how good we all are and how awesome we all are the more they want to be involved too so it's really important to support all these brands that all help us all out from the smallest guys to the biggest guys um, because it's important they know that we appreciate them being in our sport so that's how we all grow uh, another person that used to be a mentor but i'm not a big fan anymore but no names again uh, but he always said that a rising tide raises all ships and i firmly believe in that um, so the bigger we can build the sport, guys, the bigger we all grow inside of it. So let's keep on growing. There you go. Now, do you have an apparel sponsor? Uh, yes and no. So I wear all NRS stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I don't call them a sponsor because, um, well, I mean, just to be general and frank here, they don't pay me. So um, they're not really a sponsor, um, but I work with them, and um, I consider – one of the guys there, like for super close friends, um, super good guy. He's been a supporter of mine since day one. Um, I've been wearing all NRS life jackets since day one. I still do. All my guests wear NRS life jackets. I've got like five of them here. Everyone wears one. Um, I literally, like every picture of me, all my promo pictures, I'm always wearing NRS shirts and pants, and it's by choice. Um, I don't get paid by them or anything, but I do work with them. But they have the best fishing apparel. Like, I love NRS clothing. I love NRS shirts. Um, their life jackets are literally second to none. Um, you know, their shoes, eh, 
not as much, but they don't really make them as much anymore, but their, their clothing is amazing. So I don't really have an apparel sponsor, I wouldn't say, but uh, I'm a huge fan and supporter and customer um, of NRS. You don't love their boundary boots, man. Those boundary boots are I the best. The I just wore those actually the other day. I love the boundary boots. So I, I have their dry suit, their waders. I have two pairs of their boots, the boundary boots. And then so I forgot what they're called. The new boots that came out this year. They're for the dry suit. Um, so the, yeah, that's, I meant their normal shoes, like the normal, oh. the crush and the vibe shoes. Um, I had a problem with both of those cause they, they stunk to all high heaven. They didn't dry out quick enough, but they kind of quit making them now. So, um, but they were Astros. super cool when they made them. Like I loved them like wearing out every day wearing, but in the water, they didn't dry out quick enough. Astroloyax, man, get you a pair of Astroloyax and you will never regret it. You will not be worrying about your pedicures whenever your, your feet are in the shots and those Loyax. So Astral makes really good shoes too, man. Like I wear Under Armour shoes and Astral shoes, and uh, I wear uh, uh, Boundary boots a lot too. Um, so Damn. definitely agree, buddy. You're about to be late for your hockey. Yeah, uh, I, I have two minutes before I need to walk out the door. So um, yeah, either way, guys, check me out on YouTube. Um, subscribe on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff too, and watch the show, guys. It's called the Basquatch Hunter. You can find it everywhere. Just Google it, and you'll see where you can find it and uh yeah check it out and make sure you guys check out this podcast more because you guys do some cool stuff here thanks brother we appreciate it appreciate you jumping on i know it was sort of crazy getting getting our schedules together but hey we're gonna do it again um we'll we'll end we'll we'll end it on this we'll we'll talk over this (laughs) but i don't have I don't have Seth to come across the screen or nothing like that. I don't have any of that queued up, man. Well, fun fact, too, this theme song right here, this was in my music studio right over here on the other side of the room. I recorded this at, like, 3 in the morning one night. Like, I did the drums, guitar, and that's me saying Basquatch on there. I just tuned it down a bunch. It's like, Basquatch. I just tuned it down a bunch. There you go, man. Well, bro staff, bro staff, man, we really appreciate you guys listening as always check out the paddlers playbook on facebook instagram head on over to the patreon yeah ticket talkie we got some plans for for 2023 and i think we're going to add a new member we'll see We'll, we'll, we'll announce that later but guys again thank you for listening to the show we appreciate it we will see you later bye guys thanks for having me on peace